back. We're back. What episode are we up to? You number, keep track of this better than me. Number 16. 16. 16th on our list. Um, man, and this is one of the series that I'm really, really, really uh, excited that we're doing. I am uh, too. Uh, speaking of who we are, I'm Tyler. Yeah, I'm still Danny. I'm still and checking in. this is the Fried Squirms again. Yeah, we're, Horror we're still movie doing podcast. it, man. Just so you know what you're listening to. Yeah, so if, if you're uh, new to this, this is, like I so said, we're 16 episodes in. Welcome, um, and for those who are still listening, thank you. And uh, yeah, we're still we're still plowing through these, man. Yeah, we're going through slashers right now. Yeah. Uh, we hit Halloween last week. That was we awesome. did. I'm set glad we did that one. Some shit. Yeah, sure. it gives us a springboard. I mean, definitely set us up with some shit. We'll go watch Halloween. Oh, if you've yeah. watched Halloween, you know how all slashers are structured. Yeah, and basically. this and this, this particular movie series kind of follows that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, this movie, this character follows that and it's it was intended but it gives it a maybe a, a different element it definitely gives it a different element so this week we are covering friday the 13th the final chapter the which final is chapter part four in the series number four uh and for the year 1984 which uh this would have put me at almost three years old when this movie came out and this i'm not born that's okay i'm not born as we were actually just saying between ourselves well first off let's Go straight into the how did it make us squeal so we can talk about this. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to squeal all over this one. How does that make you squeal? All right. Okay, so let's talk about this proper. Yeah. No spoilers, but we'll talk about the cast and crew some. Yeah, exactly. And a little bit of other shit. We'll we'll save some uh, some details going into our, our next segment, but uh, uh, as far as my notes go, our director in this particular uh, episode, part four is Joseph Zito. He did films such as The Prowler, which is another slasher film. Okay. Uh, I think that one uh, came I've out. I've never seen The Prowler. I don't think I have either. I'm, I'm familiar with it, but this one I have not seen. I know it came out like 1980, 81, um, so it you know predated this one, but it gave him his way into this particular film, right? That's why they, they wanted him paramount, that is. Okay. Um, he also did films like Delta Force One. So he did some uh, nice. There we go. Some some action films, you know, some some. So some I I know we ones. we both did a little bit of reading around here and there on. I mean, not too heavily. It's it's shit that's easily available on the internet. But yeah, absolutely. If you don't want to go search for it yourself, we're we're gonna espouse it again. Um, I'm sure you read some of the same things I did. That I, apparently huh? he was kind of a dick. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and, and the reason. It's because there are certain actors and even actresses in this film who, hands down, will, will tell you that. And there are certain reasons they acted out scenes. Well, there's also other actors in here that are notoriously hard to get along well, with. Well, yeah. So, so, I mean, they're, yeah, they're no apparently uh, there was Georgia not Peaches. A, yeah, <laughs> I guess it wasn't the, the greatest time on set. But. No, but I mean, a nod to him because it, it, it gave a pretty good performance. Uh, yeah. It gave us a pretty good film in return. You know? Now, we were... We, we hit the director. We'll bounce back for a second, though. But no we were just sort of talking, like, I don't think many people would you necessarily choose this film to, to represent the series. No. And, and maybe maybe we should sort of give some insight on, on why we chose this one. Uh, and it's partially yeah. because of some of the cast that we're going to run into. Yeah, so, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, like, so we'll skip back and forth, but... Um... We're not doing the first one because no, the spoilers. F- um, you know, if you are, you, Jason's if you're familiar, not the killer. Yeah, no. If you're familiar with the series, the first one more or less focuses on his mother stalking campers who are trying to set the camp back up. Right. Mm-hmm. All these series of events that happen or transpire, like I don't know, 
close to 20 years prior to them trying to set camp back up, right? She proclaims that her son, Jason, Jason died out on the lake. The, uh, the camp counselors were ignoring or horror icon. Yeah, Jason Voorhees. Jason Voorhees, his mom likes but it, but not in the first one. No, 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 no. It, more or less, what what's going on? She doesn't like the fact that these camp counselors, these new camp counselors, are setting up camp uh, because it, it. I guess it reminds her too much of what happened to Jason. Mm-hmm. So you know, like I said, spoiler: his mom is the killer stalker in the first one. Going into the second one. It, this is where you see Jason as more of his central character, not with his iconic face mask. Yeah, he still doesn't have the mask, so no, that's he, why we skip number two. Yeah, that's why we skip number two. It's weird because he just has a bag over his head, kind of like a, I don't know, a potato sack or some shit like that. I mean, that. it kind of reminds like flower me... Flower sack. It kind of reminds me of The Shape from yeah. Halloween. I, and like I said, I think that's a, that's, it's smart because the guy who took on that one, he did number two and number three, which... Focus a lot more on Jason Voorhees opposed to his mother in the first one. So this is when you really start to see Jason as what we know Jason as, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, tying into those two, which I thought was interesting watching this film too, because all of the other ones that happened, they didn't necessarily fall on, on Friday the 13th. That just so happened to be when uh, Jason died. Died. Right. And when the first one takes place. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. And the second? This one. Uh, no, no, not this one. Because uh, this one doesn't. One. This one's supposed to be like, what, on a Monday or Tuesday? Or well, something the very like first scene maybe takes Sunday, place Sunday directly night, after number three. Yeah. So number three starts oh, I know what happens on here. Friday the 13th, but ends on the 14th. I think you're right. So this one starts on the 14th, and most of it's on either the 15th or the 16th, I This think. one, in terms of the linear story, right, when you start the, the first one, uh, the second one supposedly skips five years into the future, right? Okay. So this movie so happens to be, you know, like I said, it sets place in 1984, which the second, third, and the fourth one all supposed to be taking place over the course of that weekend. Oh, so this might even be as... Like, the last scene of this movie might be as late as the 17th or 18th. Yeah, so it's it ties in perfectly with uh, this particular film that we're doing. Like I said, it ties in perfectly with the storyline. Okay. Um, like I said, because it follows a series of events of Friday the 13th and whatnot. Okay. Um, like I said, second and third film. So its director. name is Friday the 13th, but it doesn't occur on Friday the 13th. That's yeah, what we're this telling one, But interestingly enough, one. interestingly enough, this one was released on, on Friday, Friday the 13th. Yeah, so yeah, there you go. But the storyline-wise, no, it's like a few days after. Yeah. Uh, anywho, I think the reason why I like the fact that we chose this one, uh, it's because of those two characters, our actors in this one, Corey Feldman. Yeah, and, so <laughs> the debate came down to number three or number four. Yeah. Because as we brought up in the Hellraiser episode, there's a tendency for these movies to get worse and worse as time yeah. goes on. So weird I know that, I know that so. your favorite is number six. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And I actually have a very soft spot for Jason X. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good one. But it's good in the fact that it's fucking horrendous. Well, that's a part of the, the, the appeal to it. If you're, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you like Jason enough and you're like, okay, I can and see I, this. And I, I felt like for, at least for this intro to slashers that yeah. we're doing anyway, we shouldn't do the super campy ones. No, and I felt like number three, although it was a good film, it's not a bad film at all. Um, it's just some of the storyline in it, it's very vague. Like one of the, the main actresses who winds up being like the heroine, mm-hmm. um, her storyline, when you compare it to all the other storylines, how they tie together, 
was that she was dating uh, one of the counselors, right? Okay. And um, this is before he, you know, she got involved with the counseling and uh, being a camp counselor. But they were dating. She got returned home late. Her parents didn't like that. She got into arguments. First time her mom ever slapped her. She ran off in defiance, trying to punish her parents for hitting her. Okay. Uh, she fell asleep underneath an oak tree, and when she woke up in the woods, she heard some rustling noises, and it was Jason. And he tried to drag her off into the woods, which he did. And she contends. He's pretty good at that usually. Yeah, she you know she put up a fight, but she contends she blacked out, and she doesn't know what happened. I don't know what happened after. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's not really his 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 mo, you know. No. <laughs> that's not how he functions. This one we have him in the mask. Yes. Acting very slashery. Oh, no doubt. Stalking, slashing. With classic slasher elements that uh, I'll bring up a little bit more yeah. in depth later. Yeah. The only thing that's missing is he doesn't use his machete. That's the only thing that's missing. But the machete is used. And the machete plays a pretty big part. Really. Yes, it does. Yes, uh, it does. Although he, like I said, he doesn't use it. We, like I so said, we get a classic like I said, with Corey Feldman, right? We were just kind of... Yeah, so yeah, part of the reason we did this, like we said, three over, uh, four over three, Yeah, is not just the fact that three didn't quite follow what's thought of as his yeah. MO. No, it, it, it's, it's, it's a little off. But we have two major cast members in this. Yes, we do. We went on to we do very bigger, much wanted yeah. to, to touch on. You just said Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman, and, and another one, which I'll like year-old Corey Feldman. Yeah, he's super young in this film. But I'll let you mention the other person. Oh, and Crispin Glover. Yeah, man. And interestingly enough, like I said, with, with Crispin Glover in this film, is that it also ties into another film, one of our early films that we did with The Wizard of Gore. Because he played Montag, didn't he? Yes, he in did. The in the remake. Yeah. I still haven't watched the remake. I still kind of want to. But after, after watching this and then seeing Crispin Glover in this and knowing he's done Willard and, you know, Back Willard's to the Future. Willard's always what I think stuff. of. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, he's notoriously... At uh, least in horror, Willard's what I always think of. That's a good point. That's a good film, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're familiar with Chris McGlover, then you're familiar with some of the characters he plays. And I thought he was a little bit more straight-laced in this film, comparatively. And on the subject of Chris McGlover, if you choose not to watch this movie, if, this decide, if you decide this isn't up your alley at all, whether or not you it's even okay. listen to the rest of this podcast... Maybe you decide to turn off this podcast 30 seconds from now. First, hear me out. Yeah. Go on the internet and search for the clip of Crispin Glover dancing in this movie. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that exists on... I meant to beforehand go and make sure it was on YouTube or not. I don't know. I suppose I could do it right now because I have a computer just three feet to my left. That's okay. I'm not going to do it right now. You don't need context. You just need to see it. Search for Crispin Glover dancing... Friday the 13th final chapter. Yep. I'm sure it's uploaded somewhere um, because I'm it is. Holy shit. Yeah, it's uh it's amazing, man. He's it's pure Crispin. Pure <laughs> just I love Crispin poetry in motion. Yeah. Vogon poetry in motion. Uh, he's he's an interesting person altogether, but I it was pretty cool that like I said he he was a part of this film, man. He and Corey Feldman uh, and like so, they've gone on to do bigger and brighter things yeah, as well. Yeah, so Corey this, Feldman, this man. Uh, we just mentioned like Willard and Back to the Future yeah. for for uh, Crispin Glover and um, Charlie's Angels. Hmm, I think maybe I can't remember. I was can't he remember. the the hair smelly guy or was that somebody else? I, I haven't seen those in a while. I'd have to I'd have to rewatch those. But 
Like I said, there's also other movies that I think about with him, too. He did a movie with Keanu Reeves. Uh, I think it's called River's Edge. Okay. That's a really, really good movie, too, if you want to see a good Christmas He's great, movie. went on to be bigger. Yeah. And then, like I said, Corey Feldman. Yeah. Like part so, of the Corys. Yeah, if you're familiar uh, with the Corys in the 80s, maybe early 90s. I was young enough that I missed the actual phenomenon of the oh, Corys, no, I was, but I, I grew up knowing who they were. That's understandable. Because they were very familiar in uh, pop culture during that time period, right? So if you've seen, if possibly if you've seen this film, you might have seen like Lost Boys, which I think is a, a huge one that we haven't covered yet. We haven't talked, we about, haven't it. talked about it yet. But it's, it's going to get there. It's on the radar. I mean, I've, not be. have we... Have we really even touched vampires yet? No, that's. I, don't I have that's a feeling we, we might end up at. doing like a vampire month at some point. That would be if we're doing slasher yeah. month right now. We might end up doing like vampire month later. Yeah, because there's some really good ones. Great I ones. love vampire movies. That yeah, I, I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent, no, no. but that's part of what brought me. But yeah, Corey's in that, and there's another one, Stephen King one that I think of when I grew up watching it. Love it. it's one of my favorite films of all time. Is uh, Stand by Me. Um, love Great the film. movie. You know, great movie. So um, it's it's interesting to see him at like I said a particular age, this age being twelve, and this film because you know if you've seen the Goonies, you're familiar with them. If you've seen like I said, Lost Boys, Stand by Me, uh, the list could go on and on and on. He's still doing stuff even though he's kind of he's you know, not this guy. Anymore. He's he's more of an astronaut these days, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and uh, he was part of the problems on set. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. And I don't the, think I don't think he got along with the director, or and I know he didn't get along. The, the gentleman who played Jason Voorhees, Ted White. Yeah, and there's well, I'd like to talk about maybe like not giving away spoilers, but there's a particular scene that paid ode to the why we mentioned this. Yeah. Oh, exactly. There is a very yeah. Specific so we'll save scene. it. I and I think we both know what we're where we want to expound on, but. Uh, yeah, so I guess getting like so getting back into the cast, those are the well, two main gentlemen. Well, now that we mentioned Ted White, yeah, yeah, uh, I think I, we should just go off on him for a second yeah. because in some ways he's also a major player as far as Hollywood's concerned. Yeah, he's a very long acting stuntman. Oh yeah, but yeah. not just a stuntman for anybody. Like oh, I know you're this going guy. This, yeah. He was a stuntman for John, John Wayne. Wayne. Yeah, he was a stuntman for Clark Gable. That is for amazing. Lee Marvin yes. for Richard Boone. So this is no, uh, sh- you know, schlock, if you want to call it that, or, or a hack. You know, this, this guy, he's been in the business. And this, like I said, when you look at the names that you attach them to. He's been for. in minor roles in television series on, like, Magnum P.I., Rockford oh, yeah. Files. I mean, if you go back to old TV. I definitely watched Magnum P.I. That was something I was definitely uh, watching. He's worked on God in 60 Seconds, Silverado, Major League, Starman, wow. Tron. Wow. Yeah, you know, there's an interesting story too about Starman, which, uh, which I you know, it's not kind of giving away any spoilers because we know he plays Jason Voorhees in this. But I guess as as the X filming, Files. yeah, as the filming was wrapping up on on uh, this movie, right, uh, he was going right into doing Starman, mm-hmm. and somehow I can't remember if it was between an actors or producers or directors or whatnot. Uh, but work leaked out. Like he was telling people, like you know, they were asking him what film he wrapped up, and he told him he played Jason. But there were people who, who you know, were I guess like Friday the Thirteenth fanatics caught wind of it, and so they would appear on the set of Starman because of Ted White. That's <laughs> yeah, which also gave people access to you know Jeff Bridges and Karen mm-hmm. Allen and stuff like that. So it's pretty interesting. Sansa Iwo Jima. Yeah, man. 
there was something else I just saw that Soylent Green. Wow, that's a Charlton Heston. Escape from New York. Wow, which has come up now <laughs> Wait, last episode is, as well. This is not the first time we mentioned this. <laughs> and I mean, Major League, fucking time and time again. It yeah, seems man. Like. Fucking Wild Wild West. Now, when I say that he was on old school <laughs> shit, I'm not talking old Wild Wild West. Yeah, he did stunts. On the nineteen ninety nine Will Smith, Will Smith wow, Wild, Wild West. That's saying that's saying something that's pretty phenomenal. And when I say gone in sixty seconds, I'm not talking about the old gone in sixty Gosh, seconds. Man. I'm talking about the Nick Cage year two thousand gone in sixty Dang. seconds. That's pretty gnarly, man. So I mean he He's paid his dues. I mean, fucking hats off to him. That's that's quite the fucking career. No Stuntman is not easy. No way. He had problems with the director because one of the actresses even caught hypothermia from... Exactly. And he he wanted to quit, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I guess making a long story short, there was a lot of stuff that was going on in this film that, that led to unaccredited roles. This was an unaccredited role for him because of the fact of all these things that transpired. So he doesn't... I don't like they even credit him you know, in I don't, this film. I don't think they do. Uh, he uh, or Savini, if I'm not mistaken... Right, because Tom Savini. Yeah, he plays the scene. He only plays as, uh, one scene as Jason. There's only one scene that he plays, and we'll talk about that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Savini was yeah. Jason in a scene? Just one scene, and I'll talk about it. I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But Savini did oh, the man. effects in this movie. He, and here's, a, here's an interesting note, because we're talking about Ted White and Savini, uh, is that they didn't get along at first, right? And it wasn't until Ted White found out that uh, Tom Savini did uh stunts his own stunts right and he started respecting him after that and they actually became friends because of it nice so at first they butted heads you know Mm -hmm. because he just he just thought that savini was a special effects guy and that was it and he's like no i'll do my own stunts but i mean hell of a fucking special effects guy now this is this is the second time we've ran into savini oh yeah 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 Definitely. Or is this the third? I can't remember. I would say at least second. It wouldn't surprise me if it was the third, maybe fourth. But I would say at least second, maybe third or fourth. I feel like uh, for some reason they they didn't really allow him to show off his his stuff till later on in the movie. I agree. A lot of the, most of the kills are very quick. You don't really see very much of anything. What no. you do see is very good effects work. Yeah. Practical it's, effects uh, work. Certainly believable because it's, I don't think they over portray it. Um, no, and some of like the knives coming through throats and shit yeah. are amazing. Yeah, so hats off. And speaking of special effects, uh, the team that did this is uh, Real Effects Incorporated. So uh, this is the team that's, like I, said, I guess, comprised of Tom Savini and others. I guess some of the writers, because they've been uh, central into like the character development, not only with Jason and his mom, but other you know camp campers and et cetera, trying to tie all these stories together. Uh, you have Victor Miller. Ron Kurz, uh, Martin Kutroser, and uh, Carol Watson. So they're all responsible for character development uh, and the storylines, screenplays, etc. in this film. And even Joseph Zito, like I said, you know, we talked about him directing, but he kind of vaguely wrote the story. Uh, Paramount, they, they threw this guy, kind of threw at him. And they're like, we, we're paying you to be a writer and director. And he's like, all right. So I believe he would talk to, I can't remember if it was a, another producer, they would pitch ideas. And then he would kind of give his ideas to a writer. Mm-hmm. And the writer would, you know, like I said, would write through him. So he was vicariously writing through another writer. And that was how he was, you know, got, got his writing uh, gotcha. part in this film. So it was kind of weird. But these are 
more likes it more or less your writers on this. Uh, Barney Cohen and uh, Bruce Hadami uh, Sakau are, are responsible for the screenplay and storyline. Production companies, like I said, we talked about Paramount. Uh, so, as we're popping in on the fact of the production company and Paramount, yeah. there actually is something very interesting about that. I want to hear that. Yeah. Uh, this movie's release was originally yeah, slated for October. Exactly. They had a chance at an earlier release as long as they got the editing done on time. Yeah, I did read about this. So Frank Mancuso Jr., mm -hmm. who I wanted to bring up yeah. for just because uh, we have a very certain setup laid out for these, these slasher movies. Oh, yes. And Mancuso will actually come into play later on because uh, he helped co-create Friday the 13th. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so he he will actually pop back up as a very important uh, homage later on in a different film. Yeah. So remember the name. Yeah, so keep in mind Mancuso. Keep that name fresh in your memory. Uh, he also did like the Species series. Yeah, great uh, films. I Know Who Killed Me, Stigmata. I oh, yeah. love Stigmata. That's a good film. That's a movie I used to get down on a lot. That's a good one. Uh, even the first kind of uh, our Species films are really good. Internal Affairs he also yeah. did. Um, anyway. Yeah, so he'll so, pop back in later on, but he he stepped up to the plate and he got the producers a lot together, of editing, right? And they did a shit ton of editing to get this done in an earlier time slot. Exactly. Now you might wonder why you want, especially on a movie that's like a scary movie, yeah. why you wouldn't want an October release. And there's a very important reason, and it's because when you get later into the year, you start getting towards award season. Oh, that's a good point. That's a great point. And you start getting into, like, when all the serious films for the Academy are getting put out to be judged. Yeah, so you'll get back catalog real fast. And it was, like, a late October release. So it wouldn't, wouldn't be something that people could watch going into Halloween. It would be something yeah. that they would have to choose to go to on Halloween that makes rather sense. than do their normal Halloween Yeah, stuff. and, you know, given the choice, um, especially with, yeah, when I think of the, that time period, the 80s, <laughs> there was a lot of kids running around back during that time period. So there was another boom of, like I said, ch children coming up through the 80s. I was a part of that. So from the business side, yeah. going for the April release, going into the summer, oh, yeah. um, let me think. So Jaws was, what, 77? Yeah, I believe so. So blo summer blockbuster has been invented by this point. So it's a phenomenon. It happens. It, it perfectly. If you can start leading off that season... You might be able to make a bit of money, which yeah. this movie did. Budget they, of two point six million dollars. Yeah, returned thirty three million. I think office. that's uh, not a bad return for one of the installments that had mostly negative reviews. Yeah, you know uh, that's a good point you bring up, and I'll mention that in a second. You know how much they made during their opening weekend? How much? Eleven point one eight. So eleven, oh, okay. like eleven point two million opening weekend. This is in April, so you're th <laughs> like I said, this is around Easter, maybe a little <laughs> bit after Easter around that time. Mm -hmm. But the target date, like I said, also happened to fall in line that they could release this on a Friday the 13th. So, you know, that kind of kicks back into maybe the little phenomena behind it, too. Or... The thing is, with Mancuso stepping in like that and him being a producer from the studio, yeah, that's I think a good it's point. possibly the only time in the series that they Paramount have, yeah. had such a big part in yeah. producing. They say because usually they let them do it independently. They usually let them yeah. do it independently and just handled like distribution and yeah, exactly marketing and whatnot. Yeah, it makes sense. But you know, uh, you know, hats off because it worked out. <laughs> Not a bad return. No, and like I said, the reviews are mostly negative. Yeah. And... Did you read what Roger Ebert 
Uh, if people I are familiar. I didn't read the oh, hold deeper on. review. This is, is funny. Is it pretty good? Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> so I want, you know, we, we've watched this film, you and I. Uh, hopefully others, if not, you know, like I said, watch it. Uh, but anywho, Roger Ebert, he's a world-renowned film critic, right? He called this film an immoral and reprehensible piece of trash. <laughs> it's not what? <laughs> no, and I started thinking, I was like, a fucking pretentious asshole, man. <laughs> Right. Oh, that's great. I was like, dude, I know, like him, but I, I like comedy. This is not a comedy segment, but that would have been maybe an opening segment for oh, five man, minutes of destroying dude. that guy for saying that. But uh, anywho, you know, I, I, this is not. First, I don't, I don't, I don't consider this an immoral movie. May, no. You know, I could see where some people might call it reprehensible, but it's not a piece of trash either. No, no, no. This one still follows just kind of in the the normal slasher. Yeah. Guidelines. Uh, I, I mean, come on. What, what do you think you were getting yourself involved with, Ebert? And this is a mid-'80s <laughs> movie. On, uh, I mean, most of the movies I've seen from the mid-'80s are much like this, in which yeah. they have nudity for the sake of nudity, because that's a good por- portion of this movie. That sucks. Warning, this movie has gore, violence, and nudity. It does. Uh, language. Like, so if, you know, if you're familiar with the, the slasher realm, it's going to have a certain it's amount of It's nothing above and content. beyond. No. If all you've seen are the first three, then this one technically does have the most gore and most nudity out of the first yes. four. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I would say maybe even combined, when you watch all the first three movies, uh, this one certainly outdoes all <clears throat> all three of those combined. But those don't have that much. No. That's no. not saying that much. Um, no, absolutely. Most of the violence is very quick cut away. There's some good gore towards the very end where Savini gets to really show his yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know, like, so you, you had brought that up, and that's a good point because you definitely get to see his work like, so toward the end. Like, so we talked like, so, uh, about the production Paramount. There was also uh, Georgetown Productions Incorporated, and uh, the very first director, the guy who introduced us to Friday the 13th in 1980, was uh, Sean S. Cunningham Films. So Sean S. Cunningham is the director of the first film. Okay. Right? Um, he's got some interesting things to say about how everything developed afterward you know but anywho oh. anywho we like so we can always get back to that later if those who are interested look that up because it's it's interesting because he had a different mindset of where he thought where maybe it should have went <clears throat> yeah because there's so many different directors uh it was handed off to so many different people well and like we said like there's a certain point where the this series goes off the rails oh no, yeah i think quite literally too not figuratively and quite Jason literally goes to fucking hell yeah, he goes to hell. Um, Jason he's in Manhattan, goes to space. Goes to space. He even has um, one with a character we'll talk about in the next movie. Yeah, we have Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, because our next movie is going to be Nightmare on Elm Street. So if you don't like nightmares, or if you live around a street that's called Elm, we'll give that away right now, just so we can mention spoiler. the fact that they cross over. <laughs> yeah, but uh, at least because we're talking about slashers, so you know, um, we'll talk about that. Further, but yeah, we even get that. And that Freddie was... plays with the formula a little bit. Jason yeah. stays closer. Jason is very much in the mold of Mike Myers, who we just yes. got away from. I totally He's agree. This relentless, brutal. Yeah, I even think you know we briefly mentioned killer. We even briefly mentioned, well, not briefly, but when we talked about repossessed, right? Mm-hmm. There was Jesse the Body Ventura, and the reason I'm bringing this up because the way Jason. Voorhees and Michael Myers do that that resurrection, that ties right back into like said wrestling. If you're familiar with wrestling and the Undertaker, yeah, that I mean he, I think he. Uh, how can you not say that he took that directly from those characters? Oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. So it crosses the entertainment industries. What I'm getting at with that. Oh, it crosses all over. All right before we started this episode, 
Yeah. I was showing you the brutalities yeah, of Jason in Mortal Kombat X. Yeah, exactly. And um, it was great, man. I was, I was like, so I was zoning out watching. I was like, then this is bringing it's me Jason way back. Kind of come to life in a weird way. Yeah, but it's it's really Not cool. Quite, but... No, I, I thought it was interesting because, like I said, it's it's crossing platforms and they're doing a really good job of portraying what people are familiar with if you're familiar with those characters. I believe they, I mean, it was originally supposed to be a movie, but I believe they finally did a comic that was uh, Freddy vs. Jason, Jason vs. Ash. Oh, I think you're right. I, I don't think I've ever seen it or, or read it, but I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Uh, which I might have to get my hands on. but <laughs> That's okay. That's three great universes to, to cross. <laughs> I'm like, uh, that, that would add really good to those comics that are sitting right behind you. I would, I would concur with that. I don't think there's... I have no objections. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, so like I said, you know, like I said we have... Um, Distributors once again paramount. So they're the ones who well, are responsible for. for I do want to point out there's probably a lot more actors we can name off, and if you want oh, to, yeah, I yeah, no, I've got. Be- I've I think got. you have better notes than me, but yeah. to be completely honest, a lot. I didn't even catch the name of a lot of characters. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, I think a couple characters' names are said maybe once. I can breeze most this of real them, quick if you'd like. Most of them are are there to be killed. Yeah, no. I not say, that they do bad jobs, no, and no, not no, that no. I want to diminish their part, but most of these, the writing didn't nah. allow for any of them to do. Much. What I would say, most of these actors and actresses did TV series. They were more, I would say, daytime drama, television series like that. You know, Law mm-hmm. and Orders. They et cetera, did their TV rounds, which yeah, and they there's did. Not, nothing wrong with. I love no. actors that. Do um, that. I love journeyman actors. I love character actors. Yeah, like I said, they're they're pretty faces, you know, but they're there for the kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so, we talked about Corey Feldman. We talked about Chris McGlover. Those are your two main actors, actresses. Um, we talked about Ted White. Who, yeah, we did talk about Ted White and Tom Savini. In some right? ways, are bigger than those two. I would agree, no doubt. In this series, going forward and/or backwards. Also, Ted White, really good Jason. Yeah, dude. He does a great job. There's man. one thing in this movie that bugged me. I didn't. It didn't bug me that he didn't use his machete. There is one thing that bugged me that he did do, but. Yeah, we'll get to that later. It's understandable. There, there is one person I like to mention uh, briefly. Uh, we talked about, and she, like, so she didn't have a huge role in this film, but she played Samantha, which is uh, Judy uh, Aronson, right? Okay. She was in Weird Science. She was also in Full House, right? We talked That's about some cool. of the TV series. Tying into this film, we talked about is uh, she starred in another film, like so, with some other actors and actresses that tied right back into this series, right? Which. A whole lot of a, a lot of these actors and actresses wound up playing uh, in other films with either people who've been in the first or second or maybe even third entry, right? Okay. So you see how they all tied back into the, not only this film but other films and etc. But she was one of them. This guy uh, who played Doug Peter Barton, the lady Amy Still, she played Jenny, I think, in the second, right? Okay. Um, she wound up being one of the sole survivors, and I think. One of the only two films, being this one too, who had the main protagonists survive, right? Because usually it was just one person who survived. That's right. But the second one in this entry had two survivors, right? But anyhow, they starred in a show together. I think it was called the Yeah, The Powers of Matthew. Well, I thought Star. I, I thought I saw something where they thought that they were being like doing something that hadn't been done before, or something yeah. by well, because by doing cause, that. But there there was a different element to that yeah by having by having a kid by having a kid survive exactly and it's kind of like and and not having it be a female protagonist yeah not just the final girl but the final girl still survives too yeah and speaking like i said speaking of the final girl amy uh steel played jenny 
she, to use, I guess, an, not necessarily yeah. an industry term, but nah. uh, that's what they're known as, final girls. Yeah. You should and, know. And that's a good point because there's there's that's even an O to this to this day. Jamie Lee yeah. in the last film was a final girl. She definitely was. Uh, I mean, hello. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, like I said, they starred in a TV series together. He didn't want to be in this film, right? And she's like, look, this will be a good film because this is, like I said, this is an entry into this series that I was a part of. It'll get you recognition, right? Mm-hmm. And that was, and he did. So he, he got that part because of her. Cool. And like I said, she was a final girl, <laughs> so to speak. Barbara Howard, she played Sarah. She was, um, like I said, mainly TV series. She did Amityville, New Generation. Okay. No big deal. She had, yeah, she played like one of the innocents. She did something not so innocently, so she played Price. Yep. <laughs> uh, Lauren Monison. For, for a little bit, because I couldn't remember this yeah. movie quite that well, I was wondering if maybe she was the final girl for a little bit. It, it, it would be understandable because of the way her character's portrayed in this film, right? Uh, but no. Uh, yep. Unfortunately for her, not. Lawrence Monison, the guy who played Ted, that's kind of the stoner, giving Chris McGlover shit in the film. Oh, Right. Yeah, yeah, Teddy. Yeah. yeah. So this guy, he was in a, a really great film. If you have not seen this, Last American Virgin. I don't know if you're familiar with that film or not. Great no. 1980s film. He was in a bunch of TV series, but uh, I'll let you go ahead and mention what you So I want them to remake this film, yeah. reboot it. I That'd want them. This is never going to happen because this is going to require a ridiculous budget because I want them to reboot it with Crispin Glover playing himself while being. Uh, digitally aged down oh like they're gosh. doing to people. That'd be funny. And I want Justin Long to play Teddy. Oh, he could. He'd be perfect, man. He'd be perfect for it. I could totally see him being in that. Justin Long is Teddy. There is there is one other film. I, I chuckle a little bit, not only now, but just thinking about this earlier, too, that this guy was in. He was in the movie Mask with uh, Eric Stahl and um, Cher, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Right? So that's where the, the kid had elephantitis or whatever. The elephantism. Okay. Right? Anywho, long story short, he was in that movie, and I, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, I it's I a, saw that it's, once. It's a good film, but it's fucked up, and if you're familiar with who Eric Stahl is, knowing that he played that part, you're like, damn. <laughs> Hats off to him. Anywho, another guy, he gets credited as Alan Hayes. His name's Clyde Hayes. Played Paul. Like I said, not, not a big part. Not really. Oh, okay. Polly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Camilla Moore, she was Tina. Tina She was, was one of the twins. Yeah, well, there was there, there was, was a the set of twins, Tina female and Terry? Tina and Terry, right? Um, Tina was the hot to trot one. Yes, no, she was no, she, she was the tease. I'm almost certain she was the one who was the tease. Okay. We'll we'll breeze to that because I know that kind of comes up, but I'm almost certain of it. Like I said, she did she did a lot of TV series with her sister. Uh, they did Dark Side of the Movie, uh, Dark Side of the Moon. She did. Um, she and her her sister both did a film called Twins, but it was a French movie, I think. Okay. Like, so no big deal. It wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. And no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it, no. <laughs> no, it would have been a lot more interesting, but no, it's not. Her sister Carrie Carrie Moore played Terry. She played in another film I just mentioned to you called One's Bitten. It's a Jim Carrey movie. Right. But she Which and it sounds a, like we might have to hit at some point when yeah. we need to lighten the mood. That movie's so good. It's a good vampire movie too, by the way. Um, Maybe that. Well, I think we're. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure that out later. But she. There's a lot of funny vampire yeah, movies. She, yeah, there are. Man, there's a lot. We even talked about one in the previous episode. Yeah. Our previous. Yeah. Two, two episodes ago. Anyway, Carrie Moore. She played with Stuart Charno. He played Ted in the second uh, entry into the Friday the Thirteenth. He was. 
he was a tall, skinny, red-haired guy. If you've seen like just one of the guys, okay. I think he was one of the like the, the nerdy guys that kisses the frog and all this stuff. Okay. If you're familiar with that movie, but anyhow, make long story short, she, uh, he and Carrie Moore were one of the vampire, one of the two vampires, and once bitten with Jim Carrey. Okay, so that's how they tie in together into the series. Wow. Okay. Um, Lisa Freeman, uh, she played Nurse Morgan. She has a short scene. She's like one of the first. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, she was in Back to the Future with Chris Ben Glover. Wow. Yeah. Um, I meant to look her up because she looked familiar. They also gave an ode, if you're familiar with the series. In the first entry, there was a hitchhiker that was trying to get to camp, a mm-hmm. girl named Annie. And uh, let me take a look because this is, this is, her name is Robbie Morgan. So this actress, Lisa Freeman, her, she played Nurse Morgan, but it says R. Morgan. R. Morgan. Yeah, and so it's, it's his ode to Robbie oh, Morgan who nice. played okay. Annie. Um, so anyhow, that's how that ties back into the first film. <laughs> and um, like I said, we got the guy, Bruce Mahler. He's got an interesting um, credit because I've seen a lot of these films growing up. He was the corner, played Axel, uh, the corner. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, he was in, I think, an episode or two of Seinfeld, but he was also in the Police Academy series. Oh, yeah, and I had to look him up because I wasn't familiar, and then I saw his character. I was like, oh, shit, that dude? <laughs> yeah, oh, so... He I'm going to have to look that up myself. Yeah, he was in the Police Academy series. And it's he, not like I've never seen any He wasn't a main actor, but he had some, some okay. good scenes, and he you know he was a character that stayed throughout. I'm going to have to rewatch this. Yeah. So, anyway. uh, so, anywho, and the other um, actor-actress that I gave uh, credit to was Joan Freeman. She was Mrs. Jarvis, you know, played the mom. Uh, she was uh, she was in a lot of TV series. She went all the way back to Three Stooges. She did stuff like oh, that. Wow. She did a lot of black and white back in the fifties oh, cool. and whatnot. She also did a movie with an iconic actor Vincent Price in The Tower of London. So she got a film I like credit. Some Vincent Price. I saw that. I was like, whoa. She's you know, been... I get down on some old yeah. shit. From time so they've to time. got some prominent actors and actresses. I think I might have skipped uh, the the girl who played Trish, um, Kimberly Beck. She played Trish. It's interesting because she was an Independence Day. Oh, what? I'd have to watch that again and see where she was at. Okay, but she was in Independence Day. She did a lot of TV series, whatnot. I think she was in a like a late nineteen seventies, another slasher film or whatnot. The I think one of the other actors in it too was, and I'm trying to think which movie it was. I have to look for him. But anyhow, there was another actor who was in another horror movie. He didn't like being in this movie for the mere fact that the other movie he did was so painful to do. <laughs> Not painful uh, like physically, but just yeah. He's like, and this is shit. He didn't want to be in it, but he wasn't in it anyhow. So this is the cast. And a lot of the facts about it, too, because at this point, we've actually went through our warning, which we usually do right now. Yeah, so leading into our guts <laughs> and bolts, you, Alex, we should warn you that if you're not comfortable with, I would say not extreme nudity, mild nudity is how I would put it. It's there's boobs mild nudity. There's and boobs. boobs and butts. Yeah, that's about it, really. Bare bottoms. There's one scene where the dude must have been strapped up because you should have been at least getting the goat. But yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I wasn't expecting necessarily to see dingling, but but no, I mean we the see way, him, with, with the angle on the way he runs, you should have at least got the goat, and you didn't get the goat. You did not. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't get none of that. No. Not that I'm disappointed. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that <laughs> dude was strapped up. These, you don't see the goat. These That's are what I'm saying. This is what we call objective facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um. Yeah, no, like I said, there's, some, there's all kinds of interesting, like I said, notes and stuff that I put with all these actors and actresses and how they, you know, like I said, they tie back in. But uh, still, that was pretty cool. One last thing I'll say before we get into Guts and Bulls. I know I'm kind of interluding into it. 
like I said, the lady that played Lisa Freeman, the, play, the, the woman who played the nurse. Yeah. Right? Um, the reason I wanted to mention her real quick, she played in a movie with Linda Blair called Street Savages. Oh, okay. And the reason I brought up Linda Blair is because we did Repossessed. Yes, we did. Yeah. So they played in a film together. That's cool. Uh, and like I said, mentioned because she and Chris McGlover were in Back to the Future together. So she's she's tied into some of these other Six films. Degrees. Six Degrees, Chris McGlover, Wizard of Gore, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we're, like I said, it's... it's no accident, ladies and gentlemen, that this happens. Six just, I just wanted to mention that. But getting back to boobs, um, if you're not familiar with boobs or boobs, um, there's some some good gore towards the end, but yeah. most of the stuff is really quick. You get you don't even really get much blood. You it, get. Yeah, I so say if you're from, if you're not comfortable with like romantic scenes, there's some romantic scenes. They're not overly done. They're just romantic scenes. And um, some language. There's I mean. some language. Yeah, I. That's about. That's. I don't know what else. You always know when Jason's going to show up because you get the music. Yeah, there's there's a parent. They music trick that you with the music a number of times. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. So you don't always know if it's Jason, which is you good because know when something they just happen. want you to anticipate it, and then there's there's a there'll be a certain point where you get that jump factor, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, I mean, unless unless there's anything else you want to no, mention, man, just, I'm ready to get the guts. Let's and bolts. get the guts and bolts. Let's do it. Guts and bolts. All right. Sweet. So we're going to go into the guts and bolts. Yeah, we're in the guts and bolts okay. of our sweet 16. 16. I keep forgetting 16. Yeah, man. That's how I think of it. It's, like, it's partially because I've been kind of lazy ass today and haven't yeah. put up our latest episode, which I usually have by the time we're recording this. It's okay, man. We're going we're gonna to get right into it. We'll be up today. Yeah. Don't worry, people. You're not even going to... You'll already have listened to it by the time you exactly. hear this. Exactly. Shut up. We're talking future tense here. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. Any, anywho, like I so said, we're on our sweet 16th, right? And I think it's fitting because usually a lot of themes in horror movies that center around sweet 16s are usually slasher films that's that I think true. of, which is ironic. I don't think we set it up this way, but it's... No, that's a good point, though. You know? I think of that. I was like, you know what? Usually when somebody celebrates a birthday, it doesn't have to be necessarily 16. Well, it's gonna, well usually in slasher films... It's because somebody's trying to get laid, and 16-year-olds are usually trying to get laid. Well, that's so. a perfect fitting age, yeah. It makes sense, especially with this film, because it's camp involved, so camp age. And definitely everybody that gets laid gets killed. A couple other people, but yeah. definitely everybody that gets laid. That's usually a motif, or at least a theme in horror, uh, slasher films. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you get laid, that's usually not a good sign and if you want to survive. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, other times it's great. It's not a bad way to go out. But it's not necessarily the way I, you know, that I would for for see it. Or... No, if you find yourself in a horror movie, yeah, don't get some. Wait till it, after. Keep it in your trousers. Yeah. No keep... matter what it is, keep it there. There's a reward system involved. It's, you know, maybe perhaps use it for that. But um, yeah. So we're, like, so we're we're into the fourth chapter, right? The right. final chapter, supposedly, in the film. So you actually rewatched all the movies leading up into this. However, if you didn't, they give you kind of an exposition right yeah, in the beginning. They do, and I, and I wrote and it down I to make F sense of it. it. <laughs> I wrote it down to try to make sense of it, and I wrote it down shorthand, right? So being that this is the guts and bolts, and we've already, you know, told you what to warn you about we warned you i mean you already went over them a little bit yeah. i think we can kind of skip it no honestly. it's okay yeah so at least the mainly it's you just... gave a better version of it i didn't understand half as much from this montage as what you said back yeah. in the how does this make you squeal so if you're if you're if people or listeners are trying to follow right it opens you see the paramount right mm-hmm. the logo what i put is it's like a, a, a an archive archive footage right from previous films from the uh, friday the 13th so 
being that this is the fourth one, they try to catch you up from the first to the third one, but they break it up. It's not linear the way they're, they're doing it. You get um, a guy around a, a campfire, right? That, that guy's name is Paul from uh, Part 2, right? Okay. He's one of the guys that's trying to set the camp up, and they warn him not to. Like, mm-hmm. He's like, I, he doesn't believe in the hype behind the Jason, right? Anyhow, he's telling them about the first episode of what well, happened. He, uh, he tells them about all of it. Because yeah. you end up seeing a lot of the kills from, like, 3. Yep. And that is what I missed out on, is because a lot, some of the kills from 3 are a lot more inventive and funnier. And, yeah, they are. And they're, they are than, pretty, pretty um, than this one. More cle- like I said, more clever, I would say, more mm-hmm. creative. Um, so you get the guy, like I said, around the campfire. That's Paul from our, our second one. Uh, you see Mrs. Voorhees and Alice. Alice is the final girl in uh, the first uh, entry into the series. She's the one who winds up lopping off Jason's mom's head, mm-hmm. right? Which he keeps as a souvenir in the second one. What you do get to see the girl with the pitchfork. That's Jenny, who I mentioned earlier. She's the one who got uh, one of the guys involved in this film in this film in to this begin film. with because she was a final girl in the second one. Yeah. And she was one of the first two that have the protagonist, two protagonists survive because she and another uh, person in the film survived. Gotcha. So anywho, you see that and then you see, uh, I put Chris and Jason, which was the, the third film, the girl at the end. Um, so you get a montage of all three of these mashups, mm-hmm. but they're not linear. They're kind of jumping around, right? Um, so like I said, it's just trying to catch up to speed. So when we do finally catch up to speed, we're at the crime scene at the end of the f- the third film. Right. It goes from the third basically straight yeah, into Yeah, which I think is the first one to do that linearly, like story-wise. Because the first one and the second one, there's a gap in between. There's like a five-year gap in the story. Okay. Right? So the second, third, and fourth are kind of following a similar timeline. You see uh, cop Come cars. Out, uh, yeah, crime right? scene, yeah, helicopter. They're, they're, they're like at a big bodies. barn, hayloft, right? You, you hear some things, you know, shouted out, 10 dead, this and that. Yeah, exactly. There's an ambulance that pulls up, asks, you know, where, where do we pick them up? Where do we, you know, where do we need to go? Tells them Basically, the whole point is they think Jason's dead. Yes. They're loading them up. Yeah, they, they even put, like, I think they put them in um, restraints on the stretcher mm-hmm. going into the ambulance. His right? hand falls out, a little bit of a jump scare. <laughs> yeah. But it happens. Then you're to the corners, basically. Yeah. And there's um, the medical examiner. The EMTs are dropping off Jason Voorhees for mm-hmm. the corner, right? He's a bit of a, I don't know, maybe a little bit of slob. He's in like a, a pastry, right, the whole time. He's, he makes, shit he on makes the a body. certain comment that like, really he makes irks a joke. Them. Yeah, he makes a joke <laughs> about, about getting with one of the, yeah. the cute corpses. Exactly. And he's like, she's still pretty. <laughs> it's weird. It's, it was meant to be a joke, but it irks them, right? They leave. He yep. immediately goes and starts hitting on the nurse. Uh, but we it, did mention briefly, right? Yeah, she was the one who played her. Her name paid ode to oh yeah, yeah that's Annie her. in the first okay. one. So anyhow, Nurse Morgan. Right? That's her. That's yeah. Nurse Morgan. But it's not just like weird hitting on. It's like it's kind yeah. of evident that they they, they have a thing from right? time to time. Yeah. yeah. So he winds up talking to her again to like the cold room. I think he puts it as something like that. Yeah, it's where I guess they put the uh, the dead bodies in the. I guess the ice box. She goes to find him a little bit. Yeah. And it's pretty evident that uh <laughs> It's funny was, what are you watching? That he was getting his jollies off watching uh, Like an aerobicize yeah, video. I, I wrote Jazzer size, but it wasn't Jazzer size. It was no, like it's like what three women kind of forming a little circle doing aerobicize, but very provocative. Yeah. It's <laughs> and she's even like, uh, Axel. Yeah, like, it's like this is how he's getting his jollies off, you know, and that shit's funny because he's like He's getting into it, but he finally, I guess he gets her 
kind of worked up. She's wanting well, to watch the news, we right? we should mention yes. that one of the gals in the aerobics Oh, yes, video, yes, 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 yes. Shows up in... My favorite one, part six. Number six. Her name is Darcy DeMoss, right? And she is one of the people we had mentioned, or aforementionedly uh, talked about, is like, if you have love scenes in slasher films, you're not going to survive. She's one of those people in part six. She gets killed. Yeah, so... <laughs> spoiler. Because she does it. But, like I said, being that, it's funny because she winds up being in another part of this series a little bit further on, which ties right back into this movie, actually. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty Yeah, cool. so, like I said, you get the, the corner, Axel, is what we find out his name is. Mm-hmm. So, she comes <laughs> in, uh, he kind of accidentally scares her a little bit, yeah. but she came in to watch the news, he's exactly. trying to get it on with her. You get, what are they showing on the news? Do you remember? They're talking about the Crystal Lake Massacre. Yes, but they are. They're saying that Jason died. Yep. They're, he's, the body's at this place. She gets yeah. all excited because like, oh, it's here. That's where the corner, he's like, he's like, he's like that's you, big guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And she likes, uh, she's like, that's not funny or some shit. But anywho. And then they start sort of getting it on a little bit. Yeah, they're kind of... getting a, Starting to get some hanky-panky. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then what kind of breaks it up is it's funny. This scene is fucking gold. Yeah, Oh, my God. As soon as they freak out, like, they both just start overacting like they do. motherfuckers. It is... You, I wish... You know you know what really... You remember what sets it off? Is the hand the, falls out again. You know, and here's something that's just interesting, because, you know, we kind of do a little bit more in depth, is that that wasn't really supposed to be in the film. They kept rolling, and he, the actor, Ted White, okay. he just, his hand just did that naturally... And it naturally made her scared, and so they kept it. Nice. Yeah, so it was, it was interesting because they talked about editing, so they mm-hmm. chose to keep it. And it was perfect because, you're right, it sets them off. sets her off, and then it sets him off. Oh, my God. Uh, this is a scene to... I, I rewatched it a couple times. It was I, funny I didn't write down any of the lines, though, because I, I was I, laughing I, too I, hard. I'm because... probably going to, like, really, really... This is, like, really, well, really paraphrasing. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah, like, it's funny. He's like, Jiminy Cricket, Jesus Christ, and shit like that. It's funny because it, it's like, really? This is, what? <laughs> overreaction, and, right? Oh, and her overreaction is awesome. She and storms like, off. She's like, very dramatically zipping up her shit. Yeah. And like, just oh, changing is, her whole demeanor back and forth. It's weird how she goes in that little, I don't know if it's like a storage closet that has all those different... It was like the... It was like the Drug closet yeah, or something. Exactly. Not not a storage closet for brooms, but like I said, like a little medicine room or whatnot. But she goes in there and she winds up breaking a vial, doesn't she? Yeah, and she she at that point she's kind of calming down though a little bit. Yeah, she's kind of even though she to breaks herself. the vial and she you know reacts to that. Yep. Her acting is calming down. Oh yeah, she is. She's calming down. And then it cues back over to our corner, who winds up... I actually made, like... Uh, I skipped over cool. making notes of some things. That's okay. But, I got some of these. But, throughout the, but the thing is, throughout the entire movie, yeah. the one thing I made note of, I, I devoted specific lines to every death. Nice. So, yeah. the uh, medical examiner, the coroner... Right. He gets hacksawed across the throat. Boom, yes. And then his head flipped around. Yes, he does. So that's our boom, boom. That's our first guy, right? That was pretty dumb. perfect. Yeah, and it was good. Really quick, really awesome though. Like the looked head good. turnaround looked really good. Tom Liked Savini. It. Yeah, dude. Hats like off. Said, we're gonna talk about this guy throughout all. Like I said, most of our viewings, regardless of what what genre we're in, somehow we'll we'll get back to him. So anywho, you're then right. It goes back to to the nurse. The nurse. Yeah, she thinks it's the uh, the corner. Like 
goofing, right? But it doesn't matter. She doesn't give him much time. Yeah. Uh, she gets choked up against the wall. Yeah, he power and chokes then, her, guts her. I'm not sure. Was it a scalpel? I didn't see for sure. Uh, I think, it, yeah, it might have been it a scalpel. It makes sense considering where they were at, but he guts her. Yeah. yeah, he winds up going from like sternum all the way down to her belly button, basically. Yeah. You don't really see anything. No, but that's what he does. You see him do the motion, and yeah. that's it. <laughs> it's gnarly. But yeah, yeah, right, right. It leaves it to imagination. Then you're in the woods, you see some joggers. This yep. is Trish and, and her, her mom. mom. Right. You find out. They're the Jarvises. They're jogging I, in the woods. I didn't catch their names for the longest time, but no. now that I know her name's Trish, like, it's really yeah. easy. No, it's like because, you know, I was taking notes as per se and i was like okay i'll tell you uh, i don't mean to go off topic but i'll tell you an interesting way i'll tell you to take my notes i actually reviewed the movie first and then i went back and wrote the cast because it made more sense to me sometimes and i made little notes off to the side too yeah. once i did learn names yeah i was like oh yeah by the way this I, guy is i was like honestly like i don't know a lot of these people and i don't know if i should give them film credit or not when we're doing I, our I notes i know that there's one or two that i didn't Get the name. That's of, okay. But most of them, I think, by the by the time they die, I think I got their name for almost all of them. Yeah. Well, if we get to it, I got you covered. There's at least one other one. There's at least one that I got his name after he died. Yeah. But. Which makes sense. Like I said, it's not that it makes a big deal, but Crispin Glover, I didn't get his name till after he died. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point because they don't really mention his name a lot. No. There's a nickname for him which we'll mention. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, back to yeah. So, yeah, so have we have a little bit of a conversation, but then it pops into their house. Yeah, and we see uh, this is the first introduction to our one of our protagonists, right? Tommy. Tommy, but the funny thing is, is he's wearing a mask the whole time. So he, like, he's kind of he's kind of young Tom Savini in this movie, right? Yes. Like, that's yes, kind of what you yes. got the entire time? You know, and I think they did that on purpose as well. Because he likes masks, he likes the macabre, you know, he's things of that nature. And not just likes masks, like he's oh, building no, yeah. professional grade shit. What's the? Room. I think they show off he's too here in a minute. Times this mask, he well, not just got minute, done customizing later. it some. Yeah. That's why he's wearing it. Exactly. His mom comments on how good he's getting with it. Yeah, he's a fucking genius at it, is what he is. Holy well, shit, no doubt, right? But I mean, if it's supposed to be young Tom Savini, basically. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, he's playing like a some kind of video game, right? Yeah, he's playing some video games. He comments games. about like scoring some high points, whatever, who cares. So I think he winds up taking the mask off and all this stuff. And what happens is uh, they get interrupted because the dog runs off. And I think he's supposed to go after the dog, essentially. Well, and then they were talking about having to go into town the next day and yeah. get shit. And I noticed a, a really good bit of foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. And he's complaining. It's like, do I have to get a haircut? Yeah, this is a spoiler. Spe- the yes. I mean, I mean, this section we're going to be rife with spoilers. Yeah. We're telling you about the fucking movie. Sometimes breaking it down scene by scene. So. Yeah, and there's a reason why he mentions that, right? At the end of the movie, to survive, he has to cut his hair. Yeah, which is interesting. Um, he kind of does, and he kind of doesn't. You know what I mean? I mean, he I does... suppose he could have found a different way, but I mean, his plan involved him having to. Cut oh his yeah, hair. for film purposes, no doubt. So do I have to cut my hair? Yes. The answer yes. is yes. Yes. Yes, yes you, you do. do, and you will by the end of the movie. And you'll you'll find out why you need to do that There's here. Chekhov's Tommy. Gun. Yeah, Corey. <laughs> but uh, that's good. That is that's a good foreshadowing. Yeah, like I said, the dog runs off. Right. Uh, then we get a scene of Crispin Glover, <laughs> right? Which I wrote down. I didn't realize this either because, like I said, you don't really find out till later. But his name is Jimmy, Jimmy. in the film. Yeah, Jim, Jimmy. He's talking to a dude who is Teddy, Ted, um, and they're talking about girls. They're talking specifically about a girl named. You like, broke Deborah. up with BJ Betty? Yeah, B- Betty. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I'm pretty sure that might be Teddy's man. first line. It's wild. Like at first, I thought they were in a jeep because the top was open in the back. 
So I didn't actually write this note down till later, wagon. but the fact that I wrote it down just pops to my mind, the fact that we're talking about these two. Yeah. Why the fuck were these two even along? Like, it, I, like I, I get know. like it was like a group of friends was, going out to party and It was a four to two ratio, shit. or a, yeah, a two to one ratio. Yeah, but it was a two to one ratio on guys to girls. Yeah, that's not Like the ratio. other two already seem, for the most part, paired Taken. up. Yeah. And these two seemed like way more of like outcasts than the other two. I would were, totally agree. I would I would imagine that they would still be considered amongst the cool group. Yes. Like um, neither of them were complete nerds. Neither of them but were they complete. weren't on that same level with the elites. They, they were, weren't on They this. were associate they were associates, but they weren't quite at that level, if that makes any sense. For very obvious reasons, because they're both kind of socially inept. Yeah, but Crispin it's funny. Glover, for the most part, is fucking hilarious. Yeah, dude. man, he's a like I said, he's a really good actor. I had to write actor, down man. a lot of his lines because he. Uh, we'll get to those because I wrote them down. Yeah, um, like I said, and so so because Teddy is is fucking with Crispin, right, about the women in, in general, because that's what the problem is. I just I, I want to throw this out yeah. really quick because you'll please get do. it. Please do. Our listeners might not depends on whether they've seen the show or not. But the relationship between these two, because I recently introduced you to the show, oh, so we yeah. both like in-betweeners. Yes. Teddy reminded me of Jay. Okay, yeah. It reminded me of Jay had to be stuck with uh, fucking, what's the main cat's name? Uh, fucking Briefcase Mung. Um, I know you're talking about I have to think about it, man. It's not Simon. Simon's his friend. It's not Neil. It's not Jay. No, and the other one is Will. Okay. It's like if Will and Jay had to be stuck together all the time. Oh, yeah. That's Crispin Glover and... You'd have somebody fucking with you constantly. That's Jim and Teddy. Yeah. Someone someone trying to be more logical. Someone trying to fuck with you the whole time. (laughs) The whole time. Who's completely doesn't know what he's talking about. No, of course not. The whole thing is sarcasm. He's being sarcastic the well, whole Teddy time. Well, Teddy isn't being... Well, Crispin's being sarcastic. Yeah. Teddy doesn't know what he's talking about, no. but he keeps insisting he knows what he's talking about. Well, of about. course. He's trying to give him this advice the whole time that's like... And Jim has is no just susceptible enough to almost be biting on it. Yeah. He just gives him enough fodder. That's basically it, it's what he's just doing. enough for him to almost be biting. He's sarcastic about it, but yeah. it keeps bugging him, which comes up. Well, of too. course. Of course. It's very passive aggressive. Dude, it's very much... Will and I agree and and Jay. I watch in betweeners. We're plugging it. It's a good show. But no, it's 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 perfect uh, example of of this friendship, this this conversation they're having. Teddy winds up commenting that he's going to plug some stuff into his computer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny, right? Yeah. And he gets some results back, and it's not it's not good for Christmas Glover's character Jimmy, right? Do you remember what he tells him? He's a dead fuck. He's like a dead fuck, right? And I, I had to think like, about yeah, it too. You're terrible in the sack. I thought for a second maybe this is another foreshadow moment. Maybe it's. I thought so. Well, a double entendre, is, maybe per se. You I know, mean, it has two meanings. We've already said only two people live, and it's not him. Oh, it's so. definitely not him. So if you like Chris McGlover, so he you, is a dead fuck. He's a dead fuck, like literally, and in this case, metaphorically. Yeah, something. You know? I don't know. Crispin Glover's last line in this scene, though, <laughs> also made me crack up because he just lays back in the seat, hands to his eyes. God, I'm horny. Yeah, yeah he's like, God, I'm horny. Yeah, because he's talking about, like, I well, guess he he's... broke up after breaking up with BJ yeah, Betty. He's, and... like, swooning over this person, mm-hmm. right? And his he's, buddy he's tells him that... He's trying to get his, 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 <laughs> he's a lousy his buddy to understand and shit, and his buddy's just like, dude, he, she broke up with you because you're terrible in the sack. Yeah, like, and that's what he meant by dead fuck, like... 
<laughs> you're, you're basically a, a, a dead fish. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but yeah. Anyhow, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. So uh, they pull up, him. and you see Pam Voorhees' tor- tombstone. Yeah, the they're lost, right? So you get to see the other campers because you only get to see the 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 back view. They're in the back, very back of that station wagon. Uh, Teddy and King Jimmy. And I want to point. You get to see the rest so, of the campers. In any of the other movies, because you just got done yeah, yeah, yeah. watching them, and you might not have paid attention, but did you see her tombstone in any of the other movies? <clears throat> now that I think about it, I don't believe so. And the reason I say that is because at the, the end of the first movie, you just you get to see how she dies, like how she gets decapitated, right? But then it's from the point of view from the final girl, Alice, in the mm-hmm. first film, right? It shows her entering... A, like a little canoe back into the lake she falls asleep she wakes up the cops arrive they're yelling at her but she's in a different state of mind and that's when the young jason pops out of the lake and pulls her in okay right? she wakes back up and apparently it was like a, a dream a dream yeah right which is a recurring theme in some of these films a lot of these films but so... getting back to that question you don't you don't see a tombstone of her until this film i believe so I suppose depending on how you want to judge it, this tombstone might be wrong. I think it is. I'm almost because certain it is. Because the first Friday of the 13th is supposed to be set present day. Present day when it came out was 1980. Yeah. Which I think in their universe might have been 79 is what they were trying to portray. I'm almost well, certain of it. that's the thing. It was shot in 79 right. and came out in, in 80. 80. Okay, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. But up until this point, it was always assumed to be 80 because yeah, that's when they that. knew it was going to be coming out and then they slapped present day onto it. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. However, her tombstone reads 79 yeah. is when she died. So that's, yeah. So it depends on where you want to judge it from. Yeah, and, th- and this is the reason why I say, uh, too, in which it's, it, it's smart for them to release this film when they did, especially on the day they did, because it ties more into the storyline of how these first three films played out, right? Mm-hmm. Storyline-wise. Uh, because, because the gap in between the first and the second film was supposed to be five years, which will put this movie in present day, which is 84. We get the introduction of the next, vil- uh, the next victim. I almost said Yes, villain. we do. So what, what the campers are doing, they're lost, right? And so they come to the conclusion, uh, I guess it goes a certain way. I guess the driver, whoever's the navigator, they find out how to get to the camp, right? They speed off. They see a uh, hitchhiker is a kind of a chunky lady, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, we don't really have any room to put her." Chunky hippie lady. Chunky hippie lady. Yeah, basically, she has like a, a her sign. A sign say, right? Okay, so I, I had to write this down. This is fucking. I didn't great. write it down, but I did her, see it. The front of her sign. Yeah. Reads, uh, "Canada in love." Okay, I can understand that. And she's trying to hitch. Yeah. Cool. Nothing wrong with that. And brave. Perfectly brave. Uh, considering i mean i've i've hitched i can't I'd, say that i have i man. didn't consider it too much of a of a risk for myself i felt that that more people would be scared of picking me up and that anybody that picked me up would be genuinely kind and, and makes offering sense. a ride yeah uh, i would imagine for a female asking for a ride different out on the roads it might be a, a little bit different <laughs> i am kind of a burly looking guy <laughs> well to you uh to your credit, I'd pick you up. <laughs> I did get a ride when I hitched. Uh, See? Perfectly nice truck driver. Yeah. Uh, we actually had some beers. Oh, I know, I know how this plays out, right? 
Follow the rules of the road. That's no. right. If you're familiar with the rules of the road, sometimes you get a couple, you know, 100 miles down the road. <laughs> no, but he got me back to town in time so that I didn't lose my job. No, that's pretty awesome, man. So, but, but yeah, like I said, um, that's it was interesting because I've never done it, but my dad was a big, he did it all over through the 70s. Different uh, time period, but you can get away with it back then. I know my brother did a, a bit of hitchhiking back and forth between here and Idaho at one yeah. point. Uh, it's, it's interesting, man, when you think about it because that's like something... I don't think, I think, I mean, people still do it, but man, different time. Different it's still, times. I mean, there's still a, a bit of weirdness to it. Oh, there is. There's a, there, yeah, there's a surprise element <laughs> anytime you I'm glad to, take that risk. I'm glad that I did it, though, to know that I could do it. It's pretty awesome. You man. know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. high fives. Oops. Yeah. yeah, man, that's pretty cool. Anyway, anyway so that back puts us back so into her she's situation. She's the victim, though. Right? It's dangerous for her anyway because Jason's around. Yeah, he's stalking at this point. They they end up driving by and yell something out at her. I didn't catch. I didn't write that down. It's Teddy. He yells something sardonic. He he yells something really you know sarcastic at her. He calls her some name, right? She flips the sign around. Yeah. Fuck you on the yeah, back. Yeah, it's pretty Starts awesome. Flipping, flipping him off. off. She sits down to eat a banana. Right. Yep. And Jason comes up behind. Bam! Right in the throat. From yep. behind, right? Knife through the back of the neck comes out the front of her throat. You sort of see her choke on the banana some. It was pretty good effects, too, really. You don't see much blood, but, no, no, no. Just but the, way the it knife came out. coming out. And, and she's like, squeezing onto the banana as mm-hmm. she's, you know, getting stabbed in the throat. It's pretty good. Then it cues back to the Jarvis family. I guess they're getting ready for dinner, right? They wind up doing... They uh, have some family time in the kitchen. Yeah, they do a little the, Jarvis hug, family and hug. And it, uh, it gets interrupted by the dog coming back. You know what's, what's funny about that? I'm not to interrupt. Uh, there's a reason why they did that in this okay. film. One of... It might have been... It might have been Mancuso. Look up one of these, these producers who had their hand in the... It might have been one of the writers. But anyhow, the reason they did that is because he used to do that with his family. And he wanted that portrayed in the film oh. with this family. So there's a reason they did that sandwich because apparently his family did. I like it. when they throw those little personal touches in there. Yeah, That's so funny. it was interesting. You wouldn't notice cool. it as just casual viewer, but because I, you know, we did mm-hmm. some research, I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. But yeah, anyhow, the dog shows up. Uh, Gordon, right? Yep. Tommy goes to let him in. Uh, campers are arriving. Yep. Campers are arriving. They show up, start to start to head in. Yep. It pops into. Two of the gals talking. I didn't actually write down who, which ones they are. Um, it I, must I have been. It, it I, must have been Sarah. It was Sarah, the kind of the innocent one, right? Talking and then it was to, Samantha. Okay. The cute little brunette, and they're talking about reputations. And by re- reputations, we mean she's like. But I mean, you do it with everybody. Yeah, like sleeping around, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, not everybody, just Paul. Yeah. Right? Who is like, one of the guys that's involved? Like, you know how they talk and stuff. She's like, I got my reputation in sixth grade. Yeah, exactly. So she's been known. But this is, like I said, one of those actresses that had all these different connections. She's she's in that world with mm-hmm. weird science. Uh, then it pops back over to the, I can't remember their last name, the other house, the family's house. Oh, it was uh, the Jarvis's is what they Jarvis. Were, yeah. So Okay. I, sh- I can remember Jarvis. I'm a geek. Fucking, it's Tony Stark's butler. Yeah. I, uh, there's a gentleman I went to school with, and uh, I remember his first name is Jarvis, so... Okay. That's easy for me to remember. Anyway, the Jarvises. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but so it's mom and Trish. They're talking about taking or waking up at like six in the morning. She's trying to remind. Trish is going to bed. Then it pops into Tommy going to bed. Yeah. However, oh, he's yes. looking over. He sees Sam and her boyfriend Paul. Apparently, 
she's getting undressed, like she's getting her her bra off. And he's starting to get excited. Yes, he's like, he's oh, like I'm gonna go see which is which is interesting too because when they were filming all that stuff, they were trying to shy him away because of his age. Yeah, he was took off set during some of these different yeah. scenes and was brought back later. And so the way they filmed they it was kind of tricky. They used a lot of editing and stuff yeah. to, to just pop it back and forth. But it was still pretty cool, though, when you think about it. There's an interesting scene, which we'll get to in just a little bit, where he actually... Corey, I'm I, I talking about. about this, yeah. too. I read about he, this, he, too. He knew what he was doing. But anywho, he does. He's, like, kind of spying on them from across the way. And he's getting, like, super He's getting excited super excited, it. which hilarious. I understand. He's... It's, a, it's adorable, yeah. Yeah, he's like and jumping it's, around the bed. It's just, it's just like, like squealing. To innocent excitement is basically what it is, right? But it gets, it gets, in. yeah, it gets uh, interrupted. He he does that thing where you pretend like you're asleep, so you just go dead. You go straight dead, mummy. You go straight mummified, yeah. <laughs> right? He's out. He's still up, but she he's not. She kind of notices. And yeah, just, she doesn't say anything, but she she pulls. The yeah, exactly. She turns off the light, gives him a kiss. That's mm-hmm. the end, that's the end of his excitement for the night, right? So this is where so. The crew, the partiers, the yeah. teenagers are heading down to like the swimming hole. Yeah, so this is like the to this Crystal setting, Lake setting place the very next morning, right? They're heading out to Crystal Point. Yeah, that's what they're looking for. So they're on this path, right? This is where Jimmy and Ted have their conversation. This is again. actually where I wrote down. Yeah, I'm like, glad you how did. How the fuck are Teddy and I didn't get it that his name was Jim at this point. So yeah. I wrote, how Crispin. the fuck are Teddy and Crispin Glover on this trip? It makes no sense. For there them to and the very, be you know, what's interesting when you think about like how how they are portrayed in this film is, in the car and on this walk, they're always in the back, just off doing their own thing. Yeah, talking about whatever. They're not even in. They're inclusive by just association. That's it. And I mean, it seems like Sarah at least is fond of them. Yeah, she'll talk to them, but the main, the others, not so much. Not until maybe a little bit later on. Not until later on. Anyway, uh, the twins show up. Yeah, they get interrupted by a set of twins, right? And they're on the same path looking for the same joint. Twins, Basil. Twins. Yeah. Boom. So that, that automatically kind of snaps Teddy into gears, and it tries to make him, uh, I guess, trying to, try to help Jimmy. He's Chris McGlover get his mind off. Yeah, he's basically like, hey, Jimmy, there's two of them. Let's scam yeah. on these chicks. Yeah, so that's their, their main idea. So now the numbers have evened out. It's a one-to-one ratio, male to female. Uh, they head down to the swimming hole. It Sarah all walks to off, though. She takes off. Oh, Sarah takes off. She gets spooked by a log. That's that's what kind of comes of it. No biggie. But Jason is in the woods. Jason is in the woods. Yeah, that's that's uh, what we need to know. The the swimming hole turns into a big skinny dipping yeah. session. Uh, Trish and Tommy go down, but notice what's happening, and Trish takes Tommy away. He gets yeah. a little bit of an eyeful, but... Exactly. Uh, what what really comes of it is just the fact, like I so said, they're all skinny dipping. The family comes back. I guess they went shopping or whatever because mm-hmm. you had mentioned that earlier. Uh, but the, the dog gets loose is, again. That's why he runs off. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so that's why he's down in that little swimming Dude, hole. Dude, Gordon's the worst. Like, we had a really good dog with Beast in the Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. Gordon is fucking terrible. Gordon just, he runs off at the most Dude, inopportune Gord, time. Gordon would have gotten killed before Beauty if he was in Hills Have Eyes. Oh, easily. Because Gordon is like Captain Suicide in this movie. <laughs> Literally like Captain Suicide in this movie. Yeah. It doesn't really imply that Jason throws... Go- Let's skip ahead for a second. Gordon gets killed, I think, because we never see him again. You know, that's there, there's a couple of characters, and this this dog included, that it's it's maybe assumed it's not... We don't know, per se. We don't really know, because there's no finalization of, of them. What happened? And their character. You never see Gordon again, though. No, you don't. Uh, well, but, yeah, you do. A little bit later on. 
no, after no, this. No, no, no. Oh, no, after I mean, that scene. I yeah, gotcha. we're just gonna gotcha. skip. Uh, we're gonna skip ahead to that just really quick, okay. and yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just skip over it when we get to it later. But no, that's fine. While we're talking about Gordon, it's weird, man. Like later on, he when Jason's like running around. Jason shows up, obviously. Fucking whatever. yeah. Um, when Jason's running around, Gordon's in the house at one point, and Jason's in the house, obviously, and it's kind of just implied. Like, you don't hear the Jason sounds. You don't get it from the soundtrack. No. You don't get, like, breathing. You don't get any movement. Gordon kind of just jumps out the fucking window, apparently, to his death. Out of the top floor of the house that they're in. The second floor, like, the... I, I don't know, like, that little... I don't know what you would call that, that. That window pane that he jumps out of. There's nothing to imply that Jason throws him. No, 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 no. When I saw that scene, I thought the same. I was like, is this fucking dog jumping out the window to his death? And you never see him again. It's like, well, considering what's been going on transpiring in this film, this fucking dog kind of had it coming. I mean, I don't, I have nothing against the dog, but he wasn't the the brightest crayon in the bunch. <laughs> no, dude, Gordon, Gordon's a bad dog. Yeah, it's like Gordon. Who's a good dog? Not Gordon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Guess who's not getting a bone tonight, Gordon? But yeah, anywho, that was that was a weird fucking scene with that dog because you didn't. Not only did you not have closure, but you also didn't know if the dog just. Plainly just jumped out the fucking window like it did. Well, and you see a leap from the dog. Well, and that's what I saw. Thing, when we say jump out the window, it's not jumping out an open window. Either. No, he crashes he through the crashes window. He crashes through a window. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a, a propped open window. No, ladies and gentlemen, this is like, like it was almost like a mural painting, like a one of those stained glasses, right? And he, he jumps he out of it through a fucking window. It's like what the fuck is this apparently dog doing? to his death. Yeah, terrible landing. Nailed it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry. Like it's we, weird. We had, we had just to just watch the film. You know what the hell we're talking about. Anyway, so the important part is that when they're leaving, the car breaks down. Yes, because it, it's just Tommy and Trish, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they finally get the dog. They're leaving. It breaks down. Tommy apparently is a whiz at cars. I don't know. He's like it, another he's Mike. He's kind of set up as just being uh, like an overall like. He's a very, 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 very innocent Mike. He's an engineer. Yeah, from kid. Phantasm is what I'm yeah. thinking. Because we had the same abilities from a young kid. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the same age. But yeah, he, he goes on and on. Uh, he needs a screwdriver, right? Uh, Some kind of tool. Yeah. The one girl freaks out Sarah by pretending to drown and pulls her into the water. And then the reason why is because she's teasing her about uh, not going into the lake and not having... Not skinny dipping with them all. And yeah, and all this other nonsense. Compared to the rest and so the girl says, well, I'm going to go under... And I'm not going to come up till you're in here. All right, and so let's freeze that for just a moment because there's a reason we talked about... Some of these actors not getting along with the director in this film, and this is one of the scenes why the the director wouldn't let her like do like the air takes between like cuts and shit. Like I think this was basically done in one big cut. Like she's under that long. And not only that, but the temperatures were freezing. She yeah. got hypothermia. From Thank the you. And Ted White, the guy who plays Jason Voorhees, he was so disgusted by the fact that he threatened to quit. Like right there on the set. Well, and because he's a very at this point even yeah. already. Uh, he's a stuntman, so he knows. He's not just a stuntman. Like, even this early on, he's an accomplished stuntman. Well, no like, doubt. Like we said, that no his doubt. his credits go on all the way in like yeah. Wild Wild West but it, and shit. Uh, that's but... his common sense at this point, right? Mm-hmm. You would think. And he's trying to advise like she could do this, this, this. Yeah, this, exactly, like... exactly. And the director was he just want, being he, fucking stubborn, bullheaded. Yeah, exactly. Which there's a reason why, like I said, he and when I say he, Ted White doesn't get a credit. It didn't want a credit in this film. Which we'll talk about a little bit later. But this had a lot to do with it, this scene. This this girl, uh, Judy Aronson, she did get hypothermia from this scene. So mm-hmm. anyhow, I guess Q Mac, she goes under. 
like mm-hmm. right and the whole time sarah she kind of gets at first it's just like okay she's teasing her but then it gets to the point where like well she's been underneath for a while and then she sort of pops she pops up, up and it looks like she's just floating back like she drowned but she's popping back up right? yeah but grabs she grabs her. her pulls her in teases her right yeah, that was pretty good yeah it's got her <laughs> but um but this is where it pops back to the rig and you kind of get a jump scare, but it's it's really just your introduction to Rob. Yeah, Rob, uh, he claims to be, well, he's got, like, hiking gear on, right? He's got, like, a backpack he, yeah, and Yeah, he all says that, shit. that he's hunting bear. He shows up, gets the rig started. Well, yeah, the funny thing the I wrote. kind of calls him out. I, I, I said, like, Tommy calls him out. He's like, bears in New York. What do you say? Were they in New York or Maine? Is it Maine? I don't remember. I think, Maine. I can't remember. Maybe it's Maine. I had to look it up. But he calls him on his bullshit, basically. Essentially, yeah. For the because but he still he's like, ends up no taking a shining here. to him. They go back to the yes. house, and he pulls him up to his room and shows him all of his awesome fucking affection. Yeah, well, you know, the cool thing is because he he knew how to fix that car with it. He had a screwdriver he pulled out of his his it pant wasn't leg. A screwdriver. Oh, it was like it a was knife or something. Yeah. yeah, okay, that's what it was. But he fixed the car. You're right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I got something to show you when we get back, right? Mm-hmm. So he goes into Tommy's room and he sees that mask hanging. Right. He he takes a shine to her. He's like he's fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a good. Little spook moment. I thought that that he did. Oh yeah, he wraps the the alien finger. Yeah, that's pretty tentacle cool. Thing around around his, his neck. neck that yeah, was pretty dope. And that was over at the other house. The party's starting. Is what I wrote. Well, you know what's cool? Like he, what is he showing? Do you remember what he showed him after Tommy showed Rob after that? After he like he got that thing around his neck. He showed him that ham puppet. Oh yeah. And Tom Savini actually did that ham puppet. It's one of his creations. That's what I figured. Yeah. So you get to see one of Tom Savini's creations. One of his puppets and it's pretty gnarly because i think they might have done it in like ghoulies and other movies like that if i'm not mm. mistaken so get a little precursor to some of those movies anyhow you're right uh um, party starts and yep. this is where you get crispin glover dancing <laughs> oh and this is great man i'll let if you want to talk about it it's pretty funny well first off he puts on what you hear isn't isn't what he put on no 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 what we hear as an audience and what they played at the party are two different things apparently he put on back in black yeah he puts some ACDC on, and he dances like he apparently what normally dances. What you hear dances. is, what, some lion? I think so. And it's like a totally different... It's almost a ballad, right? Yeah. Like a rock ballad. Oof. And his dancing. Spazzy. I... There, there's not words. Go <laughs> watch it. It's, this movie alone is worth seeing him do this, man. It's worth the price of admission. Back then, with like two, three bucks. Uh, but he's trying to dance with one of the twins? Yeah, he actually, he goes over and he asks one of them to dance, and she's like, all right. So they do. It's one of the twins. Uh, Can't then, remember which one at this point. Cause and then Polly's dancing really with Gala, I never got the name of. Um, Samantha, well, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he switches the, the shit. Yeah, he goes over, switches over to more like a slow dancing, romantic style music, right? And this is where we find out that Teddy has no idea what he's doing, and he comes on way too strong. Yeah, he puts, I put he puts moves on the twins, is what I put our yeah, twin. Yeah, but it's terrible moves, <laughs> moves that nobody should try. No, man. He doesn't know what he's doing. Um, uh, but they, they eventually, like, Chris Glover, Paul, and Sam, and, like... Well, and the, I think twin, even Teddy and the twin, the twin that he was putting moves on goes on to trying to put moves on Polly. Yes. But Polly's going out with Sam. Man. Yeah. Anywho, like I said, the whole intent of this is one of the twins is trying to make uh, Sam jealous by using Paul as a pawn in her little game. And, oh, fuck, I love this. You get Crispin Glover and Teddy talking in the kitchen. And I think he's making fun of him for being dead fucking shit. I don't remember for sure. The best part is that Teddy reaches through his fucking 
does he doesn't do a fucking like finger dick out his fly. Yeah. He just puts his he fucking puts his hand, hand through out. it. Yeah. It's pretty funny, man. But he, he but, he's pretty much teasing him about being a dead fuck, right? Yeah. And Tristan to, Glover is like, what is just, it? You you even have the hot one of the and one of the twins show up. Yeah. And he they just see turns him. to her. And this is why I describe him as being like Will and then between us. Yeah. Because he's he's just not even having it. He's so over it. And he just says to her, he's like, he thinks that's funny. He thinks that's a funny thing that he's doing. Yeah. It's it is funny, like like he's like yeah Chris McLever's like this is yeah this is he's, what this he's just like this is what I have to do. with well not only that but I think he's trying to tell her too like this is what you're going to get this is this is who this guy is you know <laughs> he thinks this is funny yeah it is I mean it is but it's not I think like in between because there's a lot of jumping around in this right? Chris McGlover's reaction is funnier than what he's actually doing it is man Chris is good in this film like he does a really good job in every scene he's in um, I'm pretty sure I, I have at least one. There's other a thing little there. scene I think too. Maybe I don't know if it's before it, but Trish and Rob they have like a little little you know talk or whatever. And I think he starts to go on his way, and she gives him like I, I put down like a sanctuary in case he needs to come back. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, not that it's a big. And he gives her well, a little peck on the cheek. He, and... Thanks. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of he he's hunting bears, so keep that in mind <laughs> for whatever reasons. Uh, All right, so, the, the, so what happens, happens here? The twins shotgun some beers. Yeah, actually, I think let's see. Let me make sure because I want to make sure I'm not jumping around too. Well, because uh, so I, I got the way Sam, I got this, here. Sam's yeah, Sam does. Outside, right? Yeah, she's going outside. She's so going the first. reason she goes outside is because the twins shotgun some beers. And yeah, some of the sloppiest shotgunning I've ever oh seen. Oh my god, it's, that would it's, not fly around here. That's a major party foul if you're doing shotguns. Oh my god, they were spilling so much. That was fucking ridiculous. That's so well. You know, I will say this. If you're gonna play devil's advocate here, um, they weren't drinking any kind of expensive beer. So if you're not, and maybe back then prices were a little different. <laughs> anyway, I mean it's still a waste regardless of how you look at it. The uh, the one that had been flirting with Polly wins. Yes. Yep. You're absolutely right. And she's like, "What well, do I win?" And he's like, "Well, what do you want?" They yeah. start slow dancing again. Yeah. And that Sam cuts Sam in. Off. Sam's like, "It's getting a little close in here. I'm gonna get swimming. Trying to be like Polly, you better fucking come. Yeah, you better come out here and quit messing with this girl." But he's not. He's like dancing up on her and shit. Yeah. She goes out. She goes out to the lake. She's she gonna goes go skinny, skinny dipping. Dip, yeah. Thinking Polly's gonna be following up. She's exactly. gonna lay claim to her man the old fashioned she, way. She, uh, yeah. She like say she's out skinny dipping. She swims out to uh, I put like an inflatable raft that's out on the lake, the pond that they're this at. This is the one part that bugs me. Yeah. Jason, drowned. Every I mean, because he's they not hadn't good established it at this point. I'll I'll give him that. Yeah. But. Later on, a, a strong part of the Jason mythos is that he doesn't like water because he drowned. You know, now that I've seen, like I said, you know, watching these films previously, it makes you wonder, did he really drown, though? And the reason I say that is because of what transpired at the end of the, the first one where he pulls her in mm-hmm. and Alice, like I said, the final girl, she recalls it. And the second one, kind of the similar thing happens Somebody gets pulled back, gets you know yeah, I mean, pulled back not, in. It's not the biggest thing in the world. No, but, but later it's, it's on, interesting. Later on, no, they do no. play on that. So. But no, you're right. They do use that as like a part of his fear factor. Mm-hmm. Is that he doesn't like being because otherwise he's pretty much unstoppable. Which is funny too, because like you said, the way that she gets killed is that he's underneath that raft. He's underneath the raft and stabs her up. Right through her throat, I think, man. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, I think he comes in through her throat. Or maybe it's in her belly. I can't remember. It's one of the two. 
Yeah. Anyway, she's stabbed from underneath. Yeah. Uh, Polly. No, he stabs her in the stomach. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it cuts back to the house, and Polly kind of has a change of heart. And he yeah, goes he's off like, I can't do this. Her. He does. He what he's trying to do is he's trying to go in from a different angle into the lake to try to sneak up on Sam. So he winds up going. You know, he's. I think he has a short time if that makes any. And this is cutting back and forth. So let's just go with his yeah, death straight, first. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he has so a pretty nice death. He goes out there. He ends up finding her corpse as he he's running out. back to the dock. Yeah, he gets it right in the dick. Yeah, he gets like spear gunned in the dick. He does, man. That was I'll put that's like that was fucking gnarly, dude. Because that was like that was well, painful. Because well, he, he like awesome. he like spears him with it and picks him up with picks it. Picks him up and then shoots it. Yeah, it was fucked. <laughs> but the way they did that is you see it gouge him on like you know gouge him right in his his privates mm-hmm. to put it nicely. We've already said dick. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but but you know anyhow, they say he gets his junk, but. Yeah. He lifts him up in the fucking water, man, and yeah. he dunks him. Like so after he shoots, it's gnarly. It's it's pretty nice. Um, and at this Impaled point, back him. at the party, Jesus. Now that Polly's gone, that twin has decided to start going after Crispin Glover, and she gets down to business and immediately starts uh, inviting him upstairs. Yeah, and um, in the meanwhile, Rob's kind of he's got like a little campfire, I guess, like a little tent set up. Mm-hmm. But he hears that commotion coming from when. Uh, well, when then Polly Teddy gets comes it. on to the other twin and immediately fucks it up. Oh, man. Right off the bat Fucking again. guy, man. Yeah, it's In the same wild. exact way. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I said, between, like I said, all this, man, fucking Teddy. Yeah, like I said, you, you get those two guys, or Teddy trying to shit on them, right? Mm-hmm. It's pretty funny, man, but like I said, you get all this jumping around. Um, anyway, yeah, we're out in Rob's camp. Yeah. He, uh, he hears some movement. He's armed with Jason's machete. Yeah, it's I weird. I thought was really cool because you know that he's after Jason. Like, well, yeah, yeah, you he don't has buy, like he's buying. No, 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 no. That's 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 a total cop out story for the real reason why he's there, right? Yeah. But you're right. He's got a machete. Uh, he hears that noise, like I said, coming from from when uh, Polly got right in the cocks, right? He got and, and mm-hmm. his Franken beans. <laughs> he goes out to check it out, right? Sees some movement back at the camp, yeah. right? Just goes like he's to got to check it tent. out. And his gun's fucked. Yeah, his rifle's fucked, and he knows something's going on. He he has a feeling Jason's back is what's going on, essentially. Yeah, so, so, uh, so Chris Glover yeah. is uh, starting to get busy. Yeah, man. He, with, uh, uh, Tina. Tina is what we find Not out. Terry. No, Terry's no. the other one. So as this ha- is happening, I think this is when Teddy finds that black and white. Well, actually, he finds like a reel, right? Oh, yeah, he finds those old like stag films. Yeah, exactly. It's a black and white stag film, right? Say twenties, thirties is what maybe it portrays yeah. time period, right? Uh, and Terry tries to leave at this point. She was sneaking. She, off. she watches a little bit, and then she goes up and she kind of interrupts the other two. Yeah, and she's like, uh, "I'll leave without you." And she's like, "Use an umbrella." Yeah, exactly. She, anyway, she takes yeah. off as she heads outside. Guess what? She gets it, man. She's. I think she's. Here's getting... a note for Terry. Yeah, she gets impaled to the house with what kind of looked like. Uh, like a like a fishing harpoon? Yeah, it kind of did look like a harpoon, man. She gets it. She the whole point is like a harpoon for small fish. Like don't yeah, think not, like not something. Yeah, not like a whale or anything like that. No. Yeah, no, this looks like a small spear. Mm-hmm. You know, something of that nature. But yeah, the way she, it, it is done, she gets propped right against the house with it. It's like damn. And so it's surprising when he heard that too. The way she got smacked up against the house like that. Then it cues back to who's it? Sarah and Doug. I think it is at this point the innocent girl. Oh yeah. And the other dude. That we hardly ever seen in the film, <laughs> right? He's more of a handsome guy. Like I said, a traditional TV actor, right? Yeah. Uh, 
and she's finally kind of like, hey, let's. They're. Let's I guess this. they're. They're. They were already going to be sharing a room together. The way they're doing it, they're. They're. Um, and she's dug him. They're hinting at sleeping arrangements, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is how this arises. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And she's like, do you they, want to take the bottom bunk tonight? And he's like, do you want the top bunk? She's yeah. Like, no. Implying. Uh, and she's like, give me a few minutes. And she wants to get ready. Off. Yeah. 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 Well, I was going to say, then we cut back over, and Mom comes back home. Yeah, Mom's soaking wet. It's starting to rain. And here's another thing I meant to, I was trying to mention earlier, too. A big theme in a lot of these movies, as it's as like a climax, is that it always starts to storm up when mm-hmm. shit really fucking hits the fan of these films. I mean, Jason brings the rain, apparently. Yeah, so if, uh, if you're familiar with these films up to this point, you know not only does he bring the rain, but he brings the thunder, because that happens, too. A lot in yeah. these films. But the, the lights won't turn on the house. Yep. And she she investigates some and she ends up heading outside to investigate. Yeah. And she sees something. She gets spooked, is what I put. She just she turns around, she's looking for Gordon. She starts that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. She sees an empty home, she goes outside to look for Gordon. She turns around and she gets spooked. So it's it's implied, it's assumed, not only maybe from us, but from many before us as well, that did she really die? Or is she still alive? Or what happened? No idea. Because this is... I think this is the last time we see her, right? Last time we see her. Yeah. No, we don't even see a corpse. No, nothing. Nope, I mean, nothing. literally, this last is the last time, time we, we see, see her. her. Yeah. Um, weird. Uh, but then Trish and Tommy get home. They search the house. Yeah. Trish leaves to search and leaves Tommy. Yep. Uh, she finds Rob's campsite. She goes in, and it kind of looks like Rob has used is using his campsite as Jason bait. Yeah, it's like... It's the, um, and he sort of sneaks up on it after she goes in. She goes in and she discovers like some of these things, right? Like newspaper clippings and some mm-hmm. other stuff while she's in that tent. But he um, comes in... He slashes... It, 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 it's almost assumed that Jason's is the one who's outside that tent that she's in and slashes at the tent. It, it rips. She, she crawls out and it's Rob, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, what are you doing here? Or what are you doing in my tent, right? It gets back to... The, the house. Uh, Crispin Glover mm. comes down. He's he's kind of gloating over it. You know, Tally. this is funny, he's like, too. Oh, this near, or he says something. You know what? You know what? He makes fun of his computer and fucking throws some panties at him and some other shit. Well, right before that, right before he comes downstairs and all this stuff, I, I would like to comment on this. Is okay. The, oh, that's the, right. The this whole, is where... The whole teasing part with him and Teddy, right? Teddy keeps calling him a dead fuck and all this stuff, right? He's a lazy lout. A lazy, a lazy lay, right? And uh, he even asked that girl, Tina, right? As as uh, after his first triumph, apparently, he asked her. He's like, "How you know? How how was I? Was I was I a dead? You know, was, was that, I was I a dead fuck?" Yeah, and she's like, "As a matter of fact, you were ama- You were incredible." Yeah, I thought you were. And, incredible. and she and what I put she's down like, is, "Want to go again?" I put down she offers second servings. That's right. <laughs> but beforehand, uh, she walks off. I guess she wants to get herself ready, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes downstairs, and that's when he throws the panties. At Teddy, who's like, he's stoned. Here's a funny thing about Teddy in this film. I don't know if you read this or not. I read this. Okay. This was funny. Yeah, so. So as, for him as an actor, as maybe a character. Uh, he decided to go the method acting. A method right? acting, yes, that's what I meant to say. And he decided that Teddy was a stoner. Yes, and so what he did is, he had never smoked apparently, right? You know, he smoked some weed uh, to get into the scene as he's watching those stag films. And he did a little too much for his, maybe his first time, right? Got him paranoid and shit. So he couldn't concentrate on those he scenes. Could, he could barely fucking function. Yeah. So it's funny because I don't know if they. I, I would. I would assume they probably kept some scenes that he was in because 
he looked pretty fucked up. Yeah, some he of those did scenes. look pretty fucked up. Yeah. Uh, plus, his character is supposed to be fucking drinking and shit anyway. Yeah. So he's really not taking the gloating the way he's supposed to be. <laughs> no, it's funny. But uh, when when but yeah when um, Crispin Glover Crispin goes comes to down the kitchen, he's to looking get for some the corkscrew, right? Uh huh. So the... he wants, hey, where's that fancy ass corkscrew? Like, yeah. Where's the corkscrew? And the... so he gets the corkscrew to the hand. Yes, yeah, oh, fucked up. And here's my uh, death note for Crispin Glover. Yeah, this is pretty gnarly the way he gets it. Corkscrew to the hand and a very obviously cut out butcher's cleaver to the head. Yeah, dude, it was gnarly because as he's getting stabbed, he's like, you know, he's writhing. Wham! Right in his face. Mm-hmm. But Teddy doesn't hear any of that shit, and he's just like, I don't but know. You get it looks maybe? good when it swings at him. Yeah, but it looks you swing really at him, good. and then it cuts to it on his head. Yeah. If you look, it's very obviously just has like a wedge cut out. Oh, and it's just yeah. wrapped around his face. You can definitely see that if it's, you're paying attention. Yeah. It's yeah. It's pretty pretty noticeable. But I I like the I like the way that his uh, his character got the. I mean, it's unfortunate, mm-hmm. but. Cuts back up to Tina. Right? Yeah, she returns to an empty room is yeah. what I put. Uh, Tina. She comes back in the room, right? She's looking... Um, she looks outside. She's she looking outside. sees that her sister's bike's Yeah, her there. sister's bike, who earlier, she's the one who's got impaled to the to the house, mm-hmm. right? And so she keeps looking outside, this and then... This is fucked up. <laughs> I get to make a note of Jason. Tina. Yeah, Jason, he smashes through the window that she's looking out and tosses her out the window onto, onto the, the station wagon. On the hood of the car, and she rolls off, and apparently that's her ending, right? She's done. Yeah. I'm like, damn, he he went up on that little stoop mm-hmm. right outside that window and fucked her up. How he got up there and how he had the time, you know? That's uh, how he rolls. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, this is where we get yeah, back. This is Rob where Bob actually sort of tells his story to, yeah. to Trish. So. And, and what his story is, and I'll, like, I'll make this really quick, is... He's alluding to the fact that his sister was involved with uh, some of these murders, right? From uh, previously. So what happened was his sister is supposed to be this, uh, one of the girls in part two, right? She hooks up with this kid named Jeff. But the way they get it, I think they show it in the montage. Yeah, we were just talking about this. She she, she gets it. Well, she's laying on top of, of her boyfriend. She gets, I think, a, a spear in the back of her neck. And it goes to her and then goes to her boyfriend's throat down to the floor. Right? Yeah, and spear. So, they, yeah, they get speared. Um, but apparently that was his uh, his sister, right? And, I mean, Trish doesn't believe Jason's alive, but by the end of it, he convinces her, and she's yep. like, oh, shit, Tommy's still at the house. we got to get back. Then we cut to Sarah and Danny. <laughs> I think his name is Doug. <laughs> I thought his name was Dan. And no, and she, it's, thought, it's Doug. Is it Doug? It's Doug. Fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought it was Danny, and I was like, yeah, way to go, Danny. It could, I mean, you know, you got to give credit where it's due. It, it's Doug. Anyway, uh, they're kind of fooling around in the shower a bit. Yeah, they are. They're um, they're making out and they're they're showering together. They're not they're not having sex, but they're you know they're, they're at least in it. third base area. Uh, then you uh, pop back and Teddy's sort of getting into his movie a little bit. Yeah, he goes, he goes up to the up screen, to, right? Uh, give the screen to give Teddy a kiss. Yeah, and death it goes note for Teddy. Yeah, well, it, like it, it goes. The reel come kind of comes off. It's real, whatever. It mm-hmm. goes blank, and then he gets it right in the back, too. Like right Jason stabs screen. him through the screen, back through right the, back the back of Teddy's of throat. Yeah, he, or yeah, back of his head, wasn't it? That's uh, it. And it leaves like a like a blood trail down the screen. It Damn, really cool. Bye, Teddy. Then Sarah's getting out of the shower. She kind of alludes to the fact that she's in love with love with Doug. He's like, what? And he starts singing some whatever mm-hmm. bullshit Tony's singing. 
she she's kind of digging that, but he's singing. She goes off to like blow dry her hair, mm-hmm. right? He's, he's still, still singing. There. The lights get cut out. He thinks she's going back in for some more nookie. So this yeah. part, okay. So first off, he's like, he notices somebody's in there. He's like, uh, Sarah, is that you? Like, there, you just change your mind. You come yeah. in here, like we could sing a duet and shit. Yeah, exactly. Then he's like. Hey, Polly, is that you? Yeah, he's like, I dropped my soap. I dropped my soap. <laughs> but then he kind of alludes to something, like maybe something happened in the past. Possibly. Like he's being aloof about something? Yeah, maybe him and Polly hooked up is what I'm, is it kind of what it sounded it's like. It's a possibility. I mean, they, they could have been athletes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so Doug's death note. Yeah, Doug gets it pretty good. And here's something that's interesting, too, about this, right? Okay. Here's something else that Ted White, who played Jason advocated for for this character is that when he performed this death scene he advocated for padding for the character i think the guy's name is uh peter barton i think his name is okay um who plays doug in this scene he, behind his head yeah because, well he dies by getting his head pretty violent slammed back against the tiles and crushed and against yeah him. he gets his face crushed as he yeah as he getting smashed so, and then by I think the he time might have done see, a little rough, man. By the time you see him again, he's also been pulled forward, and like his neck is like up. resting on the, the broken glass. And yeah, shit. but you don't see that actually happen. No, you don't see that. But I mean, you get to see the aftermath of it, like mm-hmm. you were saying. Yeah. So Jason, like, say so he, he he gets Doug. That's the end of Doug. Sarah goes back into the bathroom. I think maybe she hears commotion. I'm not. I can't remember. She finds sure. the body. Yeah, she freaks out. Uh, she goes all the way downstairs. Right. She's starting to to run. She's freaking out. She's trying to open the, the door, and One as she's open. doing that, the axe comes to the door. Death note for Sarah. Yeah, axe so, through the door into her abdomen. Man, she gets it right in the chest, too, it's, the axe. It's fucking sudden and brutal, too. It's, re, it's so, pretty fucked up. You know, and you made a good point thinking that perhaps she could have been a heroine or a final girl, the, the way her... But it goes to note that if you start hooking up in films, nope. this is what happens what in happens. these slasher films. So take note. Take note if you're if you in a find slasher yourself film. In a slasher film. Take note. Okay. Don't start hooking up. Yeah, exactly. But you're right. We go back to the Jarvis's and Tommy's going downstairs. I guess like in a basement area, to, to I guess to try to get the power back on in the home, right? Trish and and uh, Rob. I think they. This is when they come back home after all this stuff happens. Right. Rob and Trish get back and they try to call. It, like they uh they jiggle the door first, right? And they mm-hmm. break in and it startles Tommy. Uh, this is when he's heading. Oh, excuse me. This is when he's heading downstairs. He's not in the basement. He's heading downstairs, and he hears that. Yeah, she. They go to make a phone call for help. But Jason's, Jason's outside. outside. He rips, rips that out. phone box out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the end of that. Um, so they're like, "Hey, we got. We're gonna go next door. Yeah, they're gonna look uh, for help. Tommy, you stay here. They go. They go in there, and it's like obvious that he's been there. But like yeah. bodies have been moved. Like they're um, not where they're at. So shit. yeah, they're exactly. They're they see. There's, there's, off, there's aftermath promotion. of carnage, but yeah, there's exactly. not bodies. There's, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Uh, but as they're doing that, that's when the power cuts off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they decide to split up, right? Like, so Rob <laughs> goes down to the basement, and Trish is supposed to stay right at the top of the stairs. Yeah. But she doesn't. She starts mm, nope. it doesn't. It doesn't play shit. out that way, right? This, this is, is where Gordon kills himself. Yeah, this is weird. This is, you're right. You're right. This is, this is fucking weird. Because, I think this is what happens, right, if I'm not mistaken, because... When she and I guess Rob and, and Tommy and all of them show back up, they get you know they have uh, the dog in the car with them, right? And so it makes sense that when they show back up home, the dog's still in the house. But when they go to call for help, the dog follows them, right? Like so, mm-hmm. this is leading up to it. The reason why she runs upstairs, 
It's because the dog runs upstairs. And like, so this is where he run, he fucking jumps out the window. And you're like, so the whole point of the dog going inside the house is for him to jump out the fucking window to his death. Like, damn, what a dumbass dog. You're right. Damn, Gordon. But you're right. She was supposed to stay downstairs, but this is why she went upstairs in the first place because of the stupid fucking dog. Yeah, so, yeah, she goes upstairs. Tommy finds all of Rob's details on Jason. Back yeah, he does. House. Tommy finds, uh, I did put down and all these newspaper clippings. he starts putting all that together. Yep. Trish, when she gets upstairs... She discovers somebody. So this is... That's Doug. This starts to be kind of like where you can sort of fit in Halloween parallels. Yes, This absolutely. and a little bit later. So, first off, Rob, obviously, is Loomis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a Loomis-ish. He, he's what, I don't know if this is much an industry term as Final Girl, but there's a movie coming up later on that will reference uh, his character being what's known as an Ahab. And he's kind of the one that's in the know and is the one sort of tracking I know what you're talking this, about. this monster. That's funny that you mentioned that because that's, that's what he's doing. Yeah. But you're right, it's, it happens there too, Loomis, like you were saying, that's interesting. And this is kind of the equivalent of when, Jason, when, uh, when Jamie Lee walks in on like the the bodies yeah uh, uh, when she goes in stair upstairs and finds all the yeah all her friends mm-hmm. yeah I, this, I can understand this that. and something else coming up here in just a that little makes bit. sense okay and, and this is kind of what what what's usually sends them into kind of more like scream queen mode yeah this that, and that like i sense. said what's coming up yeah exactly bit. uh but she goes upstairs and she finds doug like railroad spike to the wall yeah he's fucked it's pretty gnarly, man. He gets it bad. Uh, she runs back downstairs to Rob. To right. Rob. Mm-hmm. And when they're going upstairs, I don't know. My copy of the film was really dark. I couldn't tell exactly what happened. Like, they trip some, but, like, is it Jason grabbing him? Like, I think, yeah, I think what happens, if because it is, it is super dark, and I think my copy, too. But from what I gathered... As that, like I said, as they're going upstairs, because she freaks out, and I guess they're, you know, whatever. I just, I just don't get. Why. I can't remember who. If somebody trips, he trips up, and they, and then they that's get when Jason again. smashes. He comes up from underneath the stairs. Not yet, though. No, no, no. You're right, but it's it's weird because how that for some reason, after they get tripped up, Rob goes back downstairs. Oh, you know that's a good point. And I don't know why he goes back downstairs. I don't know. I can't remember. But then he gets in a fight with Jason and Death Note for Rob. He he yells at Trish to get out of the fuck out of there and he's kind of fighting hand to hand with with Jason. But Jason grabs like one of those like uh like handheld gardening rake things yeah. and just starts fucking, fucking beating up. the shit out of him with Here, it. You know, here's something interesting about the scene since you're since we're at this scene is that uh I th- I think it was the director, right? Zito. Mm-hmm. It was either he or or one of the producers, but they had read a newspaper clipping I think it, it happened maybe in Florida. He's either Florida or New York, one of the two states. Uh, something similar to like uh, a murder that happened where the victim screamed out, you know, like, stop stabbing me. They they were yelling that out as they were getting stabbed. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why Rob is oh. doing this. For whatever reasons, they wanted to give him like more of a, I don't know, like a, a I don't know, like a humanistic approach to it. Like, to, so, you know, somehow you would feel a connection to what, he, what's, what he's dealing with. Okay. But they found that through screenings and during the film, people found them comedic because it's like, this is a grown man Stop yelling it. this. He's yeah. Stop stabbing me. Yeah, he's stabbing me. Stop stabbing He's killing me. Yeah, he's killing yeah, Exactly. And so it was weird how they try to f- squeeze that in into this guy's death mm-hmm. because of a newspaper clipping. So keep that in mind. <laughs> like, it, it, that was, it's weird dialogue that they, they, so they then, fit into this so shit. So Trish runs away, but then she runs back to the basement. 
Yep. The Rob's body already isn't there, which freaks her out more. Yeah. But then as she starts to run away, that's when Jason busts through the, the stairs and grabs at her. Yeah, he does. He jerks at but her. But she has the machete. And, and she, she starts slicing of, the shit out of his arm. Mm-hmm. She cuts him a couple times in the arm. He lets loose, and that's when she kind of runs back through the house. So, and this is the part where it's also a lot like uh, Jamie Lee running into the bodies. Because yeah. this, she runs and, out yeah, one every door. door. she goes out, she sees the one sister... And there's Tina's body. Yeah, which she was supposed to be out in the yard, right, after she fell off the, the – or got thrown out the window, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, you, she's out the front door. She then goes she out the goes back to, door or the kitchen door. And, and this, this is, is fucking awesome. Yeah. There's Crispin Glover staked – like his hands and, and feet are staked so that he's like, he's like post, across right? the door frame. Yeah, that's pretty to, awesome. So that she couldn't get by. I thought that was one of the coolest things in the movie. Yeah, and so, it gets even cooler in a second. She winds up breaking out of a window up. herself and jumping out, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she goes running back to her her camp. Jason's chasing her. Yeah, he is. And this is fucking brutal because he gets to that Crispin Glover door and he just fucking rips him down. <laughs> yeah, man. Jason don't play around, bro. I thought that was fucking nuts. She gets back into her house, and she's like, uh... Well, there, she gets, uh, she and Tommy start nailing up the door. Yeah, right? I was, yeah. They, and then she's like trying to, I guess she's trying to close all the windows, you know, like locks on the windows. And that's when you see, like, he's coming and all that shit. And she throws, and well... Well, and, they're, they're putting, like, a, a dresser, I think, in front of the door. As it's happening, I think they're the back That's a little away. bit later on. Okay, okay, okay. That's when a, they're still in the living yeah, that's room. Upstairs. That's upstairs. Uh, when they're still in the living room, like, they got done locking all the windows. She's nailed shut the door. This is and pretty early. first Jason throws Rob's body through the window. Yeah. And has a railroad spike through his head. It's pretty, yeah, it's like, I guess, going through his ear mm-hmm. into his skull. Yeah, that's pretty gnarly. But he gets tossed in there. And then, uh, this is something we this is great. touched on earlier. So, yeah. apparently... I don't think it's any big secret that apparently Corey Feldman is pretty hard to fucking work with. I could imagine. And there was a period of time when he was all drugged out, too, and that didn't make him any easier yeah. to work with. Well, there's there's a lot of stuff that went on during that time period, too, for child actors. Yeah. Which I mean, we could dwell it's on. Not, yeah. But the Ted White. Yes. Jason Voorhees. Thought that he was just the meanest fucking little kid. Did not like him. Yeah. And, and Corey... He was trying to say in his defense that, you know, like Zito, the director. It was because of working conditions with him. Yes, and so it made him frustrated as an actor, the kid, so that's why he was acting out. But anyhow. Either way, this is where Ted White kind of got his revenge. Yes. Now, they had worked out uh, specific timing for Jason crashing through the glass and grabbing Tommy. Exactly. But what happens is a little different. What happened was Ted White waited. Yes. And when it was a few seconds past, Corey uh, sort of let down his guard, thinking that it was like, the end of that. It was a blown, scene or the cut, yeah, yeah. It was a cut, like it was a blown a stunt. Yeah. And then Ted busts through the fucking window and grab grabs him. him. The terror you see on his face is real. Yes. So he wanted to get his revenge by really spooking the shit out of Corey, like put him in his little twelve-year-old places. And he did. He does. So you get a real scare from Corey Feldman, who plays mm-hmm. Tommy in that scene. Which, which, like I say, reading that, it's like that's awesome because it gives it a really good scream factor. Mm-hmm. Trish hammers the fuck. Yeah, out of she Jason. starts to hammer him in the in the mask. She Flips stabs him, around, him, claws him. Yeah. Uh, they run upstairs. This is where they hold up in in Tommy's in the room. bedroom, right? In Tommy's Jason bedroom. eventually chops his way in with 
with the with axe. the axe. Yep. This is great because she grabs. A, do you remember the giant ass CRT? Yeah, dude. She grabbed that fucking computer monitor and she comes over and smashes. Man, it. I hated moving those CRTs around. Things are man. big, I had dude. To do such so often. She fucking smashes that over. She his tells head. Tommy to run like hell. He seems out of it, but as she's trying to sneak by, he wakes up. Yeah. Uh, they kind of distract his attention for a second, but she's kind of pissed that he even tried to do that. Yeah. She runs off, though, and Jason does follow her. Yep. So, the, yeah, she, I think uh, she's heading back. I'll put into the camp. It was, like, where the camper's house is at, right? Um, that's where they she, – she gets Jason to chase him back into. All the way um, upstairs. Yep, and out of the stairs. She winds up jumping out of the stairs, upstairs window, back into the yard, right? Okay. The way she does it is fucking weird, too. Yeah, I was like <laughs> – I was thinking that too. Is like she gets at the top, and she kind of gets like I guess she gets trapped at the end of that like I guess that upstairs little I don't know hallway. I guess and up, that. All right, windows it. Yeah, she she pulls the same exact fucking thing her dog did. <laughs> There's something about that Jarvis family where you want to jump out a fucking window and kill yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, but self defenestration. Uh, but it's weird because like she, yeah she she takes that weird landing but she gets up. And she struggles, right? But she takes off again. Yeah, I. Jesus, sorry. This, so, you know, what's it's. Cool this is about where this. it cuts back to Tommy, and he's starting to like. He he's he has got that the newspaper, newspaper clipping, clipping and he's of a young Jason. Mm-hmm. Artist rendition of a young Jason, <laughs> and he starts chopping at his hair. Yeah, he's got scissors and chopping at his head. Right, Trish. I think she starts to fend off. I think Jason's finally caught up. She manages to up. hold off Jason for a bit with. She has uh, a machete. A machete. Yep. and fucks up his hand pretty good. She, uh, yeah, she does. She slice a couple fingers off. She doesn't slice fingers off. She gets in between the fingers. Okay, like, okay, yeah, the webbing. I got you. Like super, super vulcanizes uh, it. Could you imagine that? Ooh. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> Uh, but eventually Jason does get at her and sort yeah, of Yeah, he's starting to wrestle at her, right? Tommy pops up and he's all done up as a young <laughs> as a way better than Jason looked young Jason. Oh Verhees. my gosh, man. His head's all fucking busted up, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they actually use a skull cap for that, but it's still his it, he, he looks looked, good. Yeah, he does, but he's he looks he's jacked up. Uh, but it kind of distracts Jason though. Like he's like remember Jason. Remember Jason. Remember and Trish attacks with the worst attack ever, only knocking his mask off. Yeah, she hits. She like swipes at him with that machete. She didn't like slice or stab. She just then the weird. sight of him is enough that she drops the machete and is freaked out, backing into a corner. Yeah. He's kind of following her, but Tommy picks up the machete, bam, right in the side of the head. Yes. This was fucking awesome. I wrote down this as a death note, even though we all know Jason comes back. Right, but it's still awesome. But the the halfway point of the the machete goes halfway into the side of Jason's head. Yeah. He falls forward onto it, and as he does... It impels his... It impels it, and he slides down further. From his eye socket, right? From the eye socket. Yeah. And it's an amazing gore effect. Dude. So good. You know, and and when when you say that, too, and you think about that, I was like, damn, that was pretty gnarly, like... Even for Jason, whomever, for any of his victims, but and Jason. as they're as they're sitting there like hugging and shit, he sees the hand twitch. The, yeah, his maybe it's his death throes, maybe perhaps, maybe mm. not, maybe not. Yeah, uh, but so, Tommy doesn't take a chance. Nope, and he goes fucking nuts. Yeah, he goes ham. He goes mayhem on it. Yeah. Uh, during that scene, you know what he was actually doing when he's doing the slicing and all that shit, hitting sandbags. Yeah, 
So as a way, he said, as his way of working his frustration out. He imagined it was the director. Yes. So, so you get like all this different ways of of these actors working out their frustrations because of this fucking director. But in a weird way, he got performances out of them. Yeah. Maybe that. It's still maybe not the right way. But maybe hate me. I don't know. Who yeah, knows? Who I don't knows? know. I don't who know knows? the guy. Anyway. But this uh, is where this is where I put down when I think about this film, right? Uh and I think about the franchise and when you see those montages and stuff, you do get to see where you see Tommy, right? Corey doing die. Die. I kinda wish they would have just ended it with that. Right. But they don't. And that's what I was thinking too when I was watching. I was like, I hope they end it because it kinda And that's also kinda hills have eyes. Right. Yes. But they don't. But they don't enter no, in there. They go to the hospital, and Trish has just gotten. There's a reason why they do this, though. Think mm-hmm. about this, right? And this is why I was saying with the, like I said, a lot of the former movies, is that there's like these blackout episodes, and then these the female protagonists they wake up, and then they have these quote unquote dreams about what happened, what transpired with Jason, and did he really die? And you don't really know for sure, right? And she needs something done, but she can wait because she's stable enough. Da da da. She's worried about. Tommy though she's like yeah, so and they, they try to assure her she's he's all look right. with but what with, with, what with what happened with what he with what happened the, the emotional trauma, trauma he went through and stuff the way he acted was perfectly normal yeah. like it, it's just it's the way it's what happens sometimes like you break for that little bit but it's you're good for after they bring him in yeah he's it, still he's, his head is all busted up he's still <laughs> looking like young Jason yeah uh, but they have their, their moment they have a they little have their little moment a TNT they have hug. their hug and at the end, supposedly, you maybe have his face w- goes blank. Yeah, you have this weird, like... It's indicated that maybe he is fucked up, I he's, guess. He's having this... Perhaps he's taken on a different persona. We don't know. But we do know this, right? This is our I conclusion. I really wish they would have just left it off with him fucking whacking Saying that. die. And, I'll, you know, when I think about this film, there's there's a few, few scenes with Jason where his ending in these movies, right? The one is the hayloft where he goes out gets wrapped up mm-hmm. right with the I guess that bailing wire pulley mm-hmm. right I think of that and then I think of like so when Corey does the die die, die. and the reason being because I think in part six the main actor and then he's an older Tommy so they still use his character later on in films mm-hmm. and, it, and it plays out in part six later on spoiler but uh, sorry about that if that's a spoiler. But that's what they still carry on. This is not the final chapter. No, of the this series. is not the final. Not chapter. even fucking close. Fucking Jason takes Manhattan. Jason Dude. goes to hell. Yeah. Jason goes to space. Yeah. Jason hangs out with Carmen Sandiego. I mean, who knows? Jason <laughs> fights Freddy. No, he does. Like so you got Jason versus Freddy, and that's as we already mentioned, we're doing next week. Yeah. So and when we say that Freddy, that is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. So um, I still like to, like I said, talk about this film just for a brief yeah, moment. Yeah. Just a brief moment. Like I said, I'm glad we did this one. Like I said, we, um, we talked about the reasons why we did this one in particular, right? You know, outside of Corey Feldman and I think uh, Chris McGlover is, uh, like I said, this one, it, it does carry on the story and it, and it kind of ties back into, uh, like I said, the reason why the first one and the second one makes sense and the third one's kind of like, Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a filler movie. I don't know. It was it was the same director as the second one. It was the same guy who carried it on. But it's just a weird way that he tied it back into the storyline. It was weird. This is a there's a really good strong installment. I think in the series. Agree. And it's before it gets I could watch too this campy. One. Yeah, before it gets too campy. I could watch this one several times a year if you ask me. If I you know if you put it in, you say you want to check this one out. Yeah, why not? 
And, I mean, and to put it how we've been kind of laying these out, kind of falls into the, the Halloween formula a little bit. Yeah, uh, it strongly I th- does. I think Nightmare is going to play with that a little bit, uh, yeah. if I remember right. Uh, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it this week to find the, out. You know, I was I, when I think about like the time period I grew up in, this is this next film that we're gonna delve into, man. This is definitely one that I can think of watching it with my best friend. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like I say, at the age of four and five and six, strongly remember watching it. So, so we're going back that. to origins, though. We're gonna go first nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, we are. We're not man. doing any of this final chapter bullshit. No, no, no. Like so, we're going back. Like so, good, good way. Like so, with with Halloween, we're going back to an origin, like the very first installment. And we're uh, gonna hit we're gonna hit Freddy at his his meanest and, and scariest. I think. And this is another actor who, with Jason, you have different actors who played. It's traditionally like the stuntman, basically. Yeah, exactly. But with this boogeyman, Robert England. Robert England, he's a steady hand throughout this, these installments, and yeah, and horror in general, um, which I can't wait to talk about him. Yeah. In so. this film in general. We'll try to hold off right now. Yeah, exactly. We'll with with that that out. Week. But like I said, I, I'm glad we did this film. I'm glad uh, we are too. We yeah. did too. Uh, we got some really good episodes lined up, man. That's I'm really looking forward to it. And in order to keep up with those episodes, yes, you should probably subscribe to us on iTunes. Yeah, you we're still on iTunes, on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. We're still you there. You should like us on Facebook. Yeah. You should follow us on Twitter. We're on Twitter. Uh, mostly these places. are all fried squirms, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I mean, no, not many people have that name. It seems like you look for fried squirms. What you find is us. Yeah, we're we're kind of a fried squirms. A sore thumb. Yeah, in that regard, if you want to email us, it's going to be squirmcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, we always look forward to hearing from you. We actually heard from a fan not too long ago. You know, they actually was... called us. That's a special circumstance. Though. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was unique because we were uh, in the middle of. Kind of a, you know, a pause. Well, it's unique because it's somebody that we know, so they're able to call us. Well, yeah. They have they have a direct hotline, too, my personal number. Long story short, they, they come in on one of our previous films. and uh, So go listen to Martyrs, apparently, because yeah. they're a big fan. Uh, that was their first time watching it, too, by the way. But they enjoyed it, and they liked our conclusion. So if you want to hear more of our conclusions, you should listen to all of our episodes. That's the only way you can get to a proper conclusion. I feel. Uh-huh. So, uh, I think that's about it for this one. Though. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm, uh, I'm still Danny. I'm, I'm usually still Tyler. Yeah. In all your glory, I like it. And this has been another episode this of This has been Fried our sweet 16th episode. Mm, and how sweet it is. Nick. To be listened to by you. Yeah, it's all because of you. Anyway. Uh, have a good one. Yeah, good night.